0: Welcome, lords and ladies, to Trapped Under Plastic, the podcast for the plastic crack addict. There was a better one Tendy Lover. Tendy Lovers. There's a better rhyme. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we say that every episode, right about meow. Yeah, you know? And then we don't ever figure it out. It takes about like six episodes to get something mm-hmm. stuck mm-hmm. in my brain as a routine. Mm-hmm.
1: When I close my eyes at night, I can. all I hear is. For the miniature hobby enthusiast, <laughs> I just took that terrible phrase and ran with it. Yeah, and you just pounded that. You <laughs> pounded that nail in till it was all the way through the two-by-four. Yeah, Until I broke the head of the screw off and I can no
0: longer get it out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You just need to buy a new house. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got any fun stories for today, John? I think we do. Okay.
1: I don't know what they are, but I think we do. I Consult! The- the notes. Consult the notes. Which one do you want to
0: start with? Uh let's talk about uh oh hell yeah. Okay. Obviously we have to talk about the fact that John finally released a video I want confetti coming down right now and <laughs> balloons and a strobe light and a <laughs> disco ball. And, yeah, yeah, and ninety percent of
1: the comments in the comment section are Yeah, you finally <laughs> released a video. I can't believe you finally released a video. It took you long enough
2: oh, to release man. a video.
1: And that's the that is the
2: that's the
0: thing. That's why you don't tease stuff. It's the price of power. You know? <laughs> it's the p- it's really the price of telling people what yeah. you're doing. Yes. Because then they hold you accountable. And then when you finally do it, they still shit on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but they're not shitting on you for real. Um most no. Yeah. Most of them no. Everyone was very grateful. The video you made was fantastic. It was about uh how everyone is doing TMM wrong. Everyone on the face of the earth, other than John. No, just kidding. It's a TMM tutorial, it's John's take on it. It's chock full of wonderful little tips. One of my favorite ones being the brush one that I won't share here so you go and watch it. Big fan of that. I I used that, I tried it out on uh, the garage door of my little alien diorama and it has a bunch of little things. Right, I tried that. So it's a great video. It's the best part of that video of your diorama. Oh, oh, is it? (laughs) Um, I'm a huge fan of that video. It got, what, 20K views in a week or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Okay. My first 20 videos maybe got 20K views. <laughs> oh, total. <laughs> if you summed them up. oh, uh, So that was a phenomenal start to your yeah. uh, little YouTube. I don't want to call it a career because what that presumes that – yeah. The end goal is doing it full-time. And yeah. maybe it is. Maybe you just don't want to tell people that it is. Cause. Well, I'm not going
1: to tell them now because I'm going to get shit on it if it ever happens. Right,
0: but, yeah, you know? I've learned. But here, can I just have a moment of honesty with you? Mm-hmm. So it's like when I, w- I was doing YouTube, from the moment I started doing the first video, I was like, I can do this full-time. <laughs> I could, but, and that's part of that's probably just self-confidence. Um, but I was like, if I keep doing this, I know I can do this full-time. But when people were like, you know, do you want to be a full-time YouTuber? It's like, oh, if the opportunity comes, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> and it's like, no, hell no! I'm gonna take this shit by the horns; it is mine. Yeah. Um, so that's that was kind of just my my uh, perspective on that. But you talk about your first video. Yeah, uh, the audio sucked. Okay, next topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude! Yeah, it you was. Made, you made it, a pinned it, comment saying, "You know, it sucks. It's fixed. You put it in the description. Yeah. It does not stop the comments from yeah. rolling in." Should I explain? I never explained. Uh,
1: yeah, in the comments out. exactly how it fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you came over um, and before the video was released and you're like, I'm like, hey, you know, this is kind of where I edit this is kind of some, my intro and you look at it and you're like, what the fuck is wrong with your audio? <laughs> <laughs> and having never created a video before, I didn't know, it was super, super quiet. You knew it was bad. I knew it was bad, but I, I was like, did I just not put the mic close enough? But I, I did it just how like, When you and I have done stuff and you've done a boom, I, like, basically copied that. Yeah, yeah. Um, So the boom mic goes, connects to the recorder. Boom mic goes and connects to the recorder. (laughs) But my recorder in a Zoom H4n um, has microphones of its own on it. Mm -hmm. And I made the giant mistake of using... The microphones through the recorder, not through the microphone that, yes. that I have on the boom. Yes, and that was a big dumb dumb move. I can't yeah. believe I didn't do that because I know how to change it. Yeah, and I just picked the wrong setting, and so the recorder with the mics that were recording was on the far end of the boom, mm-hmm. in a in a sandbag bag. Oh boy, in a bag six feet away from my voice. Oh boy, and that was recording all my audio. Yep, and I was like, well. Let me decide if I am just going to scrap this entirely because I didn't realize I had all of my talking headshots done I had everything Mm -hmm. into the video. Everything was edited from all the footage and I was just splicing in all of the talking head and and having the overlay of the audio. Then Mm -hmm. did I realize because at that point when you get all that stuff lined up, at least my one video of experience, (laughs) that's like 90% weight of your work done in editing. Sure. Getting all of that lined up, all the shots tight and everything. Definitely. That's when I go in and f- try to figure out if I can fix it in post. And I'm like, fuck. It's taken me so long to get a video out. And it's basically done. Yeah. And I have to decide do I redo
0: all of that? All the edit, all yeah, the whole recording. Yeah. The recording that w- doesn't that's, bother. That's not me. a problem. That's thirty minutes. Yeah. You're it's, reading a script lining it all up
1: and making sure the timing all worked and basically doing all of the lineup of the of the talking head meeting the actual footage. And I was just like, "When well, I'm so excited to just get it out there. I was just so excited to have something done and I wanted to just, I just wanted to hit publish so bad. I want to hit that button. Sure, yeah. And so I decided I'm not going to redo it. Yeah. And within the first hour <laughs> of it being out there, I'm like, I am a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, so.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So I'm an idiot. Yeah. you it's uh, pushed me. To, it's pushed me to get my second one out faster, though. To cover it up like a Band-Aid? Yeah, it'd be like, no, 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 I'm not <laughs> a terrible person. Watch this one instead. Don't sign me up. Um, Hopefully by the time this podcast goes live, my second video will already
0: be. If up. it is, it'll be linked in the show notes. As this is the first one, check them out and subscribe. You probably already are, but if you're not, please do. Great. Um, One thing I wanted to say about the mic thing is I think part of the problem was I gave you my old Tascam DR40 originally, mm-hmm. which is like the same thing as a Zoom H4n, but it's just a different brand. And that was already set up to be recording through the mic, external mics. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't need to do that in your head with the Zoom H4n as well, but that was its default.
1: Yes, and so. I i just I haven't had that zoom for very long because you gave me your task and I'm like, if you can fix it, you can use it. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. I fixed it, and then it broke again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it must have been something in there that I was able to remedy, and then it went back to being a turd. Mm. So I haven't had the zoom for very long, mm-hmm. so I think some of the settings in there, I just wasn't used to having it. 'Cause it's got these really in the TASCAM, it's a little bit more in depth way to switch the inputs. <laughs> I just realized we're talking about like camera gear right now. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. People don't care. <laughs> they should.
2: <laughs> We've it, been doing it for
1: like five minutes. <laughs> 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 uh, but you think it's interesting i
0: do i'm like sitting here I'm enamored i'm like oh yeah all these things that i experienced like five years ago i know them all so well uh but yeah it's you a great get to video. point
1: and laugh every time i screw up over the next year dude
0: yeah, i'm not going to it's not a mean person oh and i, mean, I love I, you and i want to see you succeed oh i appreciate that i yeah. appreciate that yeah, but yeah.
1: i also i i think that there's nothing wrong in you like you can commiserate yeah with I mean, me. and, and, and having fun or, or or you know poking at it because i know you care so i'm not gonna
0: it doesn't make me upset when okay. you're like oh
2: my god dude you made it, your audience g- he, he
0: just gave me permission you heard it now i'm gonna shit on him whenever he does any <laughs> basic mistake yeah yeah like no. staring at the monitor of the camera and not into the lens you fucking psychopath i'm like why isn't he looking at me he's looking three inches to the right because he had the little monitor flipped out and you were looking at that instead. I was like, I, rookie mistake. Yeah. I noticed that right away too. I'm, like, I'm a dummy. Yeah. The way I resolve that is when I start recording, I just flip that thing back. So mm, there's no smart. no temptation to even look at it. Yeah. Because that's exactly what it was. It was looking right at it and I'm making sure that I'm staring right at myself. Yeah. Looking normal. Like you don't got like a, a hair like down in your eyeball or something. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, learned that lesson. Also made a whole bunch of
0: mistakes on white balance stuff. But anyway, that's hopefully all I remedied as well. Yeah. Lots of learning lessons. Lots of learning lessons. The second, second video is going to be lit. It's going to be Hollywood movie level. You're going to crush everyone. 100K views. Here it comes. <clears throat> no. No. <laughs> I'm not painting a space marine in the second <laughs> one. So it's only going to go down from here. Oh, what's, uh, can we get a little,
1: uh little, uh little uh, teaser? A little uh, teaser? What's well, up? it won't be a teaser probably for the audience because knock on wood, it's completed uh, and out for everybody. But it is, um, it's a contrast paints video. <laughs> <Hell yeah. laughs> but it's not using contrast paints. The
0: well has not yet run dry. No, because
1: I just feel like I missed out in the last year of everyone cashing in on that, Kyle, yeah, that I wanted. Uh, it's a video on me creating my own contrast
0: paints that are better than contrast paints Ooh. and cheaper than Ooh. contrast paints. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for all your videos. I watched them all, even if they suck. All one of them. I will watch it. <laughs> yeah. At this point, it's pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not committing to much. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next one. We got collaboration project paint jam with a purpose a lot of peas in there well, it's just a lot of pps in there all right what does this mean
1: john what does this mean all right so the four horsemen is that uh, i've named us uh which is yourself you are the horseman of loathing um loathing yeah i don't think that's a horseman
0: no we got apocalypse we got famine we got you have like wrath. body odor
2: body.
0: <laughs> all right anyways so it's
1: uh scott john sam lens Vinci V. We are the Four Horsemen. We should paint the Four Horsemen diorama. That would have been a great idea. (laughs)
0: Because there's the Four Horsemen and they all slot together in their own thing. Oh,
1: man. Instead, we made our lives way more difficult. Yeah. And we are going to collaborate. When we have this Paint Jam weekend, um, I think it was Sam was the one that came up with the great idea of let's all paint a project together with the purpose that it's going to be something that's never been done in the history of the world as we know it. And that is we are creating a four-person diorama where it's four separate bases that when you line them all up, it creates one full scene.
0: One pizza pie.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of pizza pie analogies
0: in the initial discussion. Right. But that that might not be the actual orientation. Right. Yeah. It might be something different. Um,
1: but this is a more complex thing we learned than originally thought. Yeah. Es- especially when we're not like building these bases to their fully finished state together. Cause we want to have them most, Like ninety percent done before that weekend, Mm -hmm. so we're not wasting our first day or more building a base, and then you've got the curing time for Miliput if you use that or putty or whatever. Yeah. So how do we set that up? And so we had a we had a meeting of the minds Mm -hmm. over Facebook chat last week. Right. I was lounging on the deck. You were lounging on the deck. Having a good time, yeah. It was Friday. Sam was walking around, yeah, yeah. in a stranger's house or something. <laughs> I don't know where he was. Vince looked exactly like Vince always looks. Green He's, apron, green apron Working at his something. computer desk, the exact same. I like. I feel like I know Vince's house as good as my own house. Well, or at least his, that one room. That one room yeah, and the yeah. other. I know the other room too. That's the down other there. one. He's got a gaming room <gasps> that's right next to that. We should room. go to Vince's house. I know. Why is he coming here? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, Vince
0: round two is at your place <laughs> uh so but yeah we have a an orc themed diorama that green, we have been planning green Greenskins, green skins, right yeah, yeah yeah i ordered mine i uh, did not order mine i'm hoping it's at the source are we can go today i should probably not hope that um yeah we should go look okay yeah
1: an excuse to spend money i bought a blood bowl team hell yeah High fives. not did mm- you buy the undead one no, I didn't buy a blood bowl team because I'm not gonna ever play blood bowl. But blood bowl, blood I love blood <laughs> You want to play blood bowl with I me? Blood bowl, Gilboa. Can't play Gilboa no more. No, you can't. <laughs> um, for my greenskins. Okay. Because there's an o- oh, the ogre blood bowl team. It's yeah. got a whole bunch of those knoblars. It's got 12
0: Yeah, knobblers. Yeah. They're fam- big 12 old. 12
1: knobblers? Yeah, dude. They <laughs> like got big, fatty noses. They're, yeah, they're, they're huge. S- that's great, like, funny poses and they're like pointing and yeah. like falling and running and stuff. So, Can I, mean, I, I have... buy one of those ogres off you? Yes. Okay. I don't have any plans for the. There's three ogres in there, so. Okay. I don't need three. Sorry, I interrupted you. What were you saying about knoblars? I am going to use a pack of knoblars. So the story is, is that. The All the tribes of the Greenskins have formed a coalition to crush the dwarves. Yes. And this scene is just after they have finished the slaughter and burst down the gates to the treasure hall. Yes. And all the tribes, one moment before, they all turn on each other. Yeah, it's the moment (laughs) right before, holy cow, this could all be mine. This could all be mine. All I got to do is kill the rest of these guys. (laughs) And so we're... it's four different tribes. We each have our own different feel and different models and different kits that they're going to be together, but not for long. Right. And so mine is going to be a whole
0: herd of knob Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm going to paint a, a goblin. I'm I've always loved the idea of goblins. Definitely an army that I would play if I just, all I did was paint more armies. Yeah. Spike, 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 get gloom, Spike gets gloom, spike gets definitely a cool army. Definitely play them. Um, it's gonna be fun. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to see how it comes together and, and remains cohesive. Yeah. I the think... concern I have right now is the blocks you oh. have are too big for individual models, and when they go together, they're gonna be seem they're gonna seem spaced out awkwardly. But I think if you sprinkle in de- uh, terrain stuff and mm-hmm. also little knoblars everywhere, maybe even a, a goblin here or two, mm-hmm. that'll really kind of flesh out the whole thing. It's really about filling the thing up with you know some kind of details so that it's not like just like barren. Right. Yeah, that is something that
1: I have learned <clears throat> firsthand and failed on is using too big of a base. Um, it can it can feel like it dwarfs your your point of attention, your focal mm-hmm. points. And other related news, just for us and maybe any of the spruits and spruettes out there. That, well, just for you, just for me. Oh, you didn't get this? No, not yet. I'm gonna okay. So, Nocturna, the miniature company, um, had a Kickstarter for a paint range and it finally arrived in my mailbox and i got the full set mm. 64 colors dang and i am putting them through their paces right now for the first time and when we talk about what we've painted i'll kind of get into that but um i got to say initial impressions on this paint i kind of love it i love it because it works like my other favorite paint range which is P3 yeah it's creamy it's smooth, it's sharp AF. I'm trying to think what other stupid things you put in the intro of that video. Recently.
0: <laughs> Tight. Crispy. Clean AF. Yeah.
1: Um, it's creamy and it's got some body to it. I, I like a paint that right out of the bottle has body so I can use it as such if I want to. Okay. And it's th- thinned down. I've used it for glazing now. And I just feel like this is like that pick, pick your painter set video that I did for you a year ago over the favorite painting set yeah i feel like i'm talking about the things that i talked about in that video okay yeah yeah um but i like it i like it so far and i I got a whole bunch of like free minis from the kickstarter because it unlocked so much and i spent so much so one of them is their little goblin dude yeah that model's sick did you
0: get the 32 or the 72 one
1: it's the smaller one, It's the 32. Okay. But he was free. Sure. And That's a, still cool. A couple busts and some other dudes. So, yeah, uh, so far so good. I'm going to bring that full range to uh, Paint the Palooza Four <laughs> Horseman Edition. Okay. And so if anyone wants to try them out, I'm probably going to paint my whole
0: duders with that set. Okay. Now, your inclination as a viewer, when you hear John say, I kind of love it, is to go out and find it and buy it or at least have it drill a hole in your brain while you're painting, thinking I could have the set that John loves, mm-hmm. and I want you to resist as a consumer. I want you to resist. Yeah. And if that thing is still drilling a hole in your brain two months later, then consider buying it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. John, you're just feeding everyone's gear acquisition syndrome. Yeah. Right yeah. Now. Uh, I, I had a conversation about this not too long ago with Vince V.
1: And he Vinci had this. B- he had this bit of advice that he puts into place in relation to hobby spending, that I thought was great. And I don't have the self control to do it, but he does. Um, he says. If it's something that's $20 or more, I have to give myself 48
0: hours minimum before I buy it. This is exactly what I do. Yeah. That's that's so smart. All right. Keep going, though. Yeah. That's really all I had to say about that. Well, no. The more expensive it is, the longer you wait. Yes. Yeah. So, I don't do 48 hours. I think the minimum for me is a week uh, Mm -hmm. for most stuff. Um, Because you only buy expensive stuff. No. don't No. Like caviar and Teslas. Yeah. 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 And truffles. (laughs) And gold foil. (laughs) Gold (laughs) foil. i don't use aluminum foil (laughs) fuck that (laughs) i use gold foil no no, but yeah it's important to wait i don't do that sometimes sometimes i just i just get a little crazy and i buy things on the internet but most time i give it a good weight yeah that's important okay that came for you it didn't come for me i think i bought one set of paints like one like color like the greens or something like that. Oh, so you did kickstart some of it. I seem to remember that
1: you you kickstart one of the lines. I thought maybe you got flesh, but maybe that's just in my head. Maybe I got flesh. I can't remember. I've used four of their flesh colors already. Yeah. They're beautiful. So this is Nocturna N
0: paint. N Not paint. to
1: be confused with their a couple of lines that they have that are actually
0: Vallejo paint, right. but they're the Nocturna the pales, inspired. The fairy flesh, the pale cuz they have that whole line of models, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like Really dour and desaturated, mm-hmm. and the characters seem like they come from an IP that they didn't create. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm getting mm-hmm. that vibe. Like this is a comic book, right? Or they're just really cool, and they thought of a cool uh, world for those moms to exist in. Right. Which is
1: ironic. Them. Which is ironic, you say, from an IP they didn't create, because one of the free busts I got for backing at that level was like he's named the Hunterer or something. <laughs>
2: The Hunterer,
0: <laughs> and it's The Witcher. Oh <laughs> like, right. Oh yeah. Wait, a- they did The Witcher. I thought Scale seventy five did The Witcher. Otherwise, probably was, both did. They're like, ah,
1: nobody's getting a cease and desist on this. Everybody into the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Malefic. Malefic time is yes. the name of the that where that fairy flush paints that comes from. Which I've heard great things about that line too. Yeah, those colors, but
0: yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I actually, them. I have too. Actually, yeah. You're right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's um, go buy some more stuff. Uh, no. No more stuff. But more things to talk about in this preamble, which gets longer and longer every single episode. Yeah. We don't we we need a whole episode of us not talking about the topic. Yeah, you know, at some eventually. point the preamble is just gonna become the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. And it's just gonna be let's talk about whatever we want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, we got our first spira mirabilis. Mirabilis. You know what? I just realized for the first time it's not M I R A B L I S. It's B I L I S. Mirabilis or B S. No, it's not two L's, it's one L, so it's an L sound let's keep talking about this Yeah. anyways <laughs> boutique miniature brand we got the dwarf with his little gnome this th- little anteater it's a mole mole thing it's cute as fuck yeah thoughts you got yours in the mail I got mine haven't really
1: looked at it Yeah. did you unpo- un- unbox it I did not unbox it that is an experience it was the it's, it was the best what was that sound miniature
0: opening experience
2: ever had
0: nothing's gonna be opening a pedro fernandez bus for the first time where my expectations for that kind of stuff were non-existent and then you were blown away i made a whole fucking i made a whole skit about it okay in the in the old video of mine about uh brands that you don't know but you should know Mm -hmm. i talk about pedro it's he's the number one item in that list and i shot this whole fucking skit with this top down and this spotlight of opening it with these close up shots. Cause it was, I wanted to recreate the majesty of opening it for the first uh-huh. time. Uh, but now my expectations are soaring through the roof. So tell me what yours were. There's so many layers. There's like layers <laughs> of things. There's
1: like layers of papers and layers of parchment and layers of a little box. And inside that box, there's another <laughs> box. And then you start to actually get to, you get to, the beautiful handcrafted little box that it comes in, and it's wrapped in twine with a with a wax seal. Oh, very nice. And then you undo that, and you slowly open it, and there's a beautiful art card. And then you, the, the custom card with what number you have out of the total number created, and a little message mm. for oh, you. Oh,
0: you know what? I haven't gotten it yet. But I got the shipping notification for it. Oh. So maybe when it comes, we'll do an unboxing in the yeah. next episode so yeah. that all the spruits and sprouts can experience it along with us. Yeah. And once you
1: finally dig out that little dwarf, <laughs> and you get to the goodie bag at the bottom. The quality of that resin sculpt is so light years ahead of anything else. Any other mini I've ever held in my hand that's a resin cast, I could not find one imperfection on the entire piece. I could not find one bit of flash, one little hangy-do, one little molding slip. I mean, it was pristine. Yeah. And everything fits together like a glove. There is no gaps. There is Like, this dude is a complete artist in understanding not only the sculpting side to create things that look so incredibly realistic and have so much character. Mm Mm-hmm. But he understands the process of how to do it to create a product that holds up to the art itself and so this dude is whew. can't praise this man enough cannot cannot his so it was amazing i will be buying more of his and maybe eventually one day
0: paint one of them <laughs> just because the buying experience was so good yeah not even because of the designs even though they are good yeah wow yeah. that says something about packaging and the user end experience and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. It's there was
1: oftentimes in life, we get something of in some degree, or another known as buyer's remorse where you get something and then the, the newness wears off or after you, you receive it or open it at home or plug it in or mm-hmm. whatever, you get yeah. this feeling of like, oh, I don't know if I need this or I don't know if this was worth it or whatever. But what this, like experience of getting the thing that you order and you're looking forward to, it reminds you right away that this was a great idea. And so that's going to last with you for as long as you ever paint it. But the only thing that I found that's negative to that, and this is no, you know, it's it's no knock on the way this is done, is it builds so much like expectations internally of what I would have to achieve to make it worthy of a paint job oh. for this sculpt and for this whole process <laughs> yeah. that Lucas put into the creation of this. Mm-hmm. And I do not feel worthy. And so will that be a barrier to me ever
0: painting this thing? Oh, come on. Know. You and I will paint it. All right. We'll paint it. We'll paint it an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Yeah. Speed paint. Uh-huh.
1: How to speed paint your oh. Lucas Pina collector's edition <laughs> <laughs> models.
0: Yeah. No. well you know what that's fine i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that any single model deserves a certain kind of paint job and that a certain kind of paint job is more valuable than another i ain't gonna be that person because that's the stigma right there mm. that causes the problem that i hate where it's like scott how do i practice before i paint my kdm models and it's like just fucking paint them yeah um because i don't know you know you got a lot of that's fun. an opinion okay it's just my opinion not man. shared with not shared with everybody not shared yeah
1: there, I mean we've all felt that in some degree or another of of being worthy of what you really are most excited about or connected to whether oh for sure yeah the the you know the hero units in my army I need to be so much better to be able to do those and it's like then they're never getting painted bro yeah yeah Yeah. I got, I got one final I story saw the, I saw this I think I know what it is alright so a while back I think I talked about on the podcast about the Wendy's D&D campaign. Yeah, you did. Last night was our first session. <laughs> oh my no, god. And so, for those of you who aren't familiar, there is a, Wendy's the fast food chain released a basically a role-playing game with a full basically small campaign for you to play with all of its its own rules and and all these character classes and each of the character classes is based around some food item <laughs> so you can be order of the frosty or order of the spicy chicken or order of the bacon so of all of the Wendy's food items my question to you is Scott this is a question to, tr- to test our friendship to how well do you know me <laughs> which order is my character from
0: obviously you're the chili cheese dog order no it's the spicy chicken come no, on right
2: what
1: I am I am obviously of the order of the chicken nugget. I don't know that was an order.
2: They have Any spicy
1: fo- chicken and chicken nugget? Yeah, they uh, have spicy chicken, they got crispy chicken, they got grilled alciago chicken, they got chicken nugget. Seriously? Dude, there's like 20 classes in this game. <laughs> yeah. I thought it would just be one chicken one. No. Bake, okay. There's the baked potato, there's the <laughs> fried, Oh yeah. Yeah, dude, there's a lot. Okay. So, my character is a small boy <laughs> he's he's a, a runt he's a bit of a street urchin <laughs> that uh has has had to live without parents um oh, now I have, and he's yeah and he he goes his, he's got a street name no one knows what his true family name is but he goes by a street name you and know, it is though. what do you know the name though right? do you know what his name is what his real name is? Not his real name, but what is his what is his no, alias? I'm it? saying you know what the real name. is. I know is, what right? it is. Okay, but what is his alien? <laughs> it's alias. It's alias. It's alias. Uh, his alias. His alias is the most obvious answer you can think of, and everyone right now is screaming it into their. So is it is it is it a chicken related pun? Yes. It's there's a reason I'm talking about it on this podcast because this podcast uses this phrase all the time.
0: Oh, it's mean potatoes. No.
1: His name is Tendi. No. Yes. He's, you named him Tendy He's just a small boy, with a little British accent. He's he's modeled after Gavroche from Les Mis,
0: who's the little boy that he's a cockney little bastard. Haven't seen Les Mis. Not a fan of musicals. You are missing out. I do not like musicals. You would like this musical. No, I wouldn't.
1: We're going to start by having you watch Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and that will be <laughs> that will be the tipping point in your life. The best musical is School of Rock. Oh God, no. change my mind. <laughs> You are so wrong, <laughs> and I don't dislike that movie. So Tendi is a small boy, and uh, <laughs> and last night in one in our first adventure into the 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 dark fry forest, oh my gosh, um, we had some riddles that we had to come we had to answer in order to get through the passageways, and I just so happened to have had our DM send me some of the riddles. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to post them to you right now. Oh, gosh. And see how, how... Are you a riddle person? Are you good at riddles?
0: Nope. Okay. Not particularly.
1: All right. So uh, this, is, this would be spoilers if you are going to play the Wendy's campaign. Or you'll look like the smart person on your team. So, you know, you can just listen anyway. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a couple. The first one is actually um, related to food items. They're not always. So the riddle is, how many nuggets can you place into an empty carton.
0: It's just like a when you buy a nugget meal from Wendy's, how much come in it? That's the only that's the only riddle. Okay. Another question. It, it is
1: not related to having prior Wendy's knowledge, no. <laughs> how many nuggets can you place into an empty carton? Eight.
0: Man, you're just really racking your brain on that. Yeah. I'm not. what we sit here and like think about it for an extended period of time. <laughs> yeah, this is
1: riveting podcast <laughs> content. <laughs> The answer is obviously one. Because once you place one in, it's no longer an empty carton. Jesus Christ. Okay, Okay, next one. I'm not going to go through all four of these, but I'll do two or three. (laughs) Because you're going to fail so miserably. The more you take, the more you'll leave behind. This is not food related. I'm giving you hints here, baby. The more you take, the more you'll leave behind. Am I supposed
0: to have a response to this? Yeah, this is a riddle. This, like is, a s- to- this is a statement. Yes, the, that's the riddle. You need to give the answer. Yeah, I get it. I'm just being trying hot. to buy I'm, time. I'm, I'm just hard being, you know, difficult to work with right now. You are. You're making the this. more you take. Yes. The more you leave behind. Yes. And my answer is going to be a phrase as well, or <clears> a <throat> word. One word.
1: Hmm. at first our group really thought it was shits because the more shits you take the more shit you leave behind sure but that's not the right answer i know you were thinking shit
0: definitely <laughs> Poop. Uh, could it be like happiness Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, the you're, more you grasp for it, the more you leave behind. Yeah, I mean that's that's really deep of you, Scott. But yeah, wrong. I mean this is a Wendy's D and D riddle, so no. like I, seriously, that, I don't know what it is. I have no okay. idea. The
1: more you take, the more you leave behind. And I am proud because I of our group came up with the answer for I'm this. I'm So one. proud of Tandy. So Tandy is a spry young boy. <laughs> he knows all these things. Uh, it, the answer is footsteps. Oh, okay. Yeah. God, that's good, isn't it? That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah, good. yeah. All right. Last one. You can hear it, but you cannot see it. Oh boy! It only speaks when you speak to it.
0: Is this a Tendy character? This is not a Wendy's. Oh my god! Answer. I just said Tendy character. I meant Wendy's character. It's not a Wendy's character. Mm-mm. No. Okay. Like if this is more akin to the last question, where the answer right. was footsteps. It's okay. You can hear hear it. Yep. But it can't be seen. Correct. And it doesn't talk, but you can talk to it. Um,
1: it only speaks when you speak to it. Okay. This is the one I think you're
0: most likely to be able to get. Don't say that shit. No, I give up. I give up. I, I, I give get up. It. Give it me the answer. All right. You know what you just did to me? I just. I, I hate it. you. <laughs> from, you just took you took me back to when I was a ten year old oh, wow. when I was on the green with uh, when I was golfing with my uncle and I was about eight feet away from the hole and in on the green. He's like, "Oh, this is a gimme," and I was like, "You just fucked me up, Bob." <laughs> You just fucked me right in the fucking golf hole. (laughs) Guess what? I fucking missed! (laughs) And I never played golf ever again. (laughs) Ten years old. I vow I will
1: never do this. (laughs)
0: Okay, I'm going to try really hard. It only speaks when you speak to it. and uh, You can hear it, but you can't see it. You can hear it, but you can't see it. Okay. All right, let's just start figuring out one half of the riddle you can hear it but you can't see it the wind okay that doesn't really work for the second half no but
1: you're you're on the right track okay see now I'm just going to think of like oxygen <laughs> hydrogen i don't i don't mean like your answer is very close but the way you're thinking about this is is close a fart that's
0: really good but wrong does fart work for the second half you don't you can't speak to a fart and it doesn't speak back to you <laughs> Depends on a, the fart, I guess. An alien fart. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't get it. Just give it to me. It's an echo. An echo.
1: You okay. can hear it and you can't see it. Yeah. It only
0: speaks to you when you speak to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure everyone loved those riddles and didn't derail and stop the episode. I'm right sure
0: there, I am, there isn't going to be a single comment about how much of a moron I am in the comment not, section. Not. Something like here. Let me just, let me just paraphrase. I'm going to pin this comment when I find it. How did Scott not get these? <laughs> that will be a pinned comment in the episode, guaranteed. And no, even though I'm saying this, someone's still going to do it. Yep. That's, so, that's how it works. Now they're going to do it just because. Now they're going to do it, but then they're going to delete it once they hear this part. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because, yes. you know, they're going
1: to, you know, whatever. Pa- okay. Pause, comment, play shit (laughs) delete (laughs) nah they'll leave it now i i thought that the creators of this wendy's game did a beautiful job we're only one session in they didn't they didn't think of those riddles no no you google search that shit (laughs) you find find some, (laughs) some goodies all right we are finally through the preamble here of the episode so scott what'd you paint in the last two weeks i painted something
0: beautiful really yeah should i go get it is it your own face no but that would be yeah that works
1: <laughs> all right why don't you go get it i'll go
0: get it so you can look at it while I talk about it okay i like this so i painted a piece that focused more on the diorama aspect and then did the miniature that went on it because i worked on a video that was a veneer and dear topic to my heart and that's the love for the local game store the lgs as the acronym goes and so the premise of the video is someone's going to walk through the store without an idea and just by the merit of the fact of looking at the materials in an LGS, come up with an idea for a diorama. And I did that. And I painted the figure, the little astronaut uh, that Roman LePot has, a community event going for right now, wherein the community event is paint one of these astronauts and put it on a creative base and enter it into a friendly competition. And so I did that. Um... I think I've talked to you about this idea for a while now. The only thing mm-hmm. I didn't do was I didn't paint, send beer on top of the roof because there wasn't really enough space without it feeling cluttered. Sure. So I, uh, I love this. I love it because it's the intercession of multiple things that I love put together. I love dioramas. I love local game stores. I love taking the piss. And to me, this just seems like a fun thing It's not taking the piss, but it seems like a fun thing. It's not super hardcore and like you know, evil and stuff. It's just kind of like cutesy, and so it's cute. I think everyone should do cute things. (laughs) It turned out so good. Thank you. Yeah, when you
1: were sending the pictures of you and building this, I was like, God, that looks like so much fun.
0: It was so much fun. Yeah. Um. So yeah, paint a little astronaut put on top of a garage. It is a single stall car garage, which I fucked up in the narration i called it a single call star garage I, I swapped the l and the r i didn't realize it until later anyways uh a lot of fun not a high, not a lot of not a high stress paint job just sure. you know a lot of messing around with sponges and textures and rust and things um i the astronaut i painted in like 45 minutes um obviously you can see that the most difficult part probably the green visor yeah but that turned out really good thank you it was really easy to do um a lot of fun painting that thing.
1: I can. T- uh, this is a weird reaction, but my reaction while looking at this, and not even in combination with what you're talking, telling me about it, but just in looking at it, I can tell that you had a lot of fun doing this. That's I, amazing. And I don't know even know how I can put into specific examples of why I think that. I yeah. just look at it. And it looks like the creator enjoyed the process, and it do, this was not something that you were toiling over, and that you no, yeah, had yeah. to put a lot of put a lot of stress on you and a lot of like discomfort to get to where you want it to be. It just feels in in a in a really beautiful way that it's just joy, and I and then I feel that when I hold it, and I'm like, I don't, whatever you did, is amazing. Do that again. <laughs>
0: I had a lot of fun and it got a lot of good feedback online. A couple of British painters really liked it. Um, uh, that would like normally not fuck with me ever. So that was cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I took the, uh, there were some things that I brought that I didn't end up using from the mm-hmm. store and I wanted to return them. So I brought them back and everyone at the store was, they were super elated with the video and so it just felt like a really just heartwarming experience. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah,
1: I really enjoyed the you going through the aisles.
0: Oh my gosh, it, there was so much stuff that I cut. I, that was, I
1: bet there was a lot of footage. There. Yeah,
0: there was just it was just unrelated to making the diorama. It was just me geeking out about all the shit in the aisles. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, and um, I, I like where Amber was like, "Don't you already have that?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amber just doesn't get it. <laughs>
1: we still need to get the footage, sweetie.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh,
1: what did you paint? What did I paint? Um, two things I worked on. I finished the first uh, oil layer on my Borgod from last episode. Yes. I yeah. had all the acrylics done last episode and I had started some of the oil work. But here now I have the first oil layer all done. And then I mat- varnished it after it dried. And I'm just... I, I haven't come back to it yet because there's a one thing with oils is like when you want to sit down and do it, at least this is where I'm at with it. I, I want to work through an entire layer of the entire model in one sitting. Oh yeah. Okay. It's a little, I mean, and maybe it's just cause I'm not as experienced yet with the medium compared to acrylics, but with acrylics, I often feel like I can go through and I can add a couple colors on my wet palette and I can work the skins for a while, even if I only have 30, 45 minutes. Um, but with oils, you're putting out all your colors, and you're doing a lot more mixing. And if you're going to have out kind of your six to eight major player colors, that you'll end up using those for every surface on there. So while I have them all on the palette, I don't want to waste them and just like use a couple of of them and not finish the whole kind of layer process. Yeah, that makes um, sense. And I actually found that I've, I've been watching other people work with, with oils lately on, on streaming and some YouTube videos and stuff. And I find that a lot of people that are painting with oils right now don't paint at all like I paint with them. Really weird. A, a prime example of this is James Wapple. James Waple, he painted with oils for a long, long time. And i watched a lot of videos of him and some of his Twitch streams of him painting with oils. And how he approaches it is completely different. He... He just keeps putting them all the oils all over and builds up layers or whatever. He doesn't paint them like Dimitri, where you put color next to color and you blend them together to create the midtone highlight and shadow. Sure. And that's the way that I've been doing it. Um which I really like how that turns out because you can create a lot of intensity and, and saturation and contrast in one go. Mm-hmm. This way of Of like James does it is you know he'll just like oh I got this like sky blue on here and maybe I'll throw some purple down here in the shadows and everything's covered in paint and oils at this time and it's not dried and then he'll go over and put more colors on top it it adds some cool depth but I also think that it muddies it a lot because you can't just put white over that sky blue and then make it white again like they mix in and it everything starts to kind of be in the same pool together he still gets some amazing results and, and i'm thinking he's working with different levels of um of how diluted his oils are compared to what i do mine are pretty pretty thick and his are often very thinned um so i don't know i just thought that was interesting that i learned that that there's that means there's there's more there's a there's something I can learn from
0: him now. Right. Well, I'm sure if he you thought does. about that for an extended period of time, you would have probably realized that on your own because it's different way people use acrylic paints. Right? right. Yes.
1: It's just a different technique with the same tools. Yeah. That's how you approach it. Yeah. And there's probably some ways for the way that he does it, that will give a result that I'm looking for more than the way that I'm currently doing things. And there are ways that the way that I currently do it, like uh, following the Dimitri method that I'm really happy with how clean and crisp and stark and smooth that can look in one coat right and not having to go back over it and over and over it. yeah so I, I did i did that okay you have something else to say
0: yeah i think the value of the dimitri approach which i'm sure that's not the only way he painted the oils mm. but the value of it is that as it relates to being a beginner oil painter that it's very systematic right it is it's like put paint here put paint here clean brush blend Yep. it's so when i know it from the you know trying to narrate things in videos where the process is mostly just I'm just messing around and there's no yeah. reason why I'm doing it yeah. that that is more easy to narrate easy to explain, so yeah there's value there
1: and if if your goal is to have people take away with some confidence of being able to replicate or try what you're doing yeah that there's a lot of power in that yeah definitely um the just I'm just fiddling around with colors and trying to see what looks good to me as I do it approach is not so easy to say, oh, I saw how Scott did that. I can go do that now. Because sure. Scott didn't even know what he was doing. There, so I, <laughs> yeah, right. How yeah, am yeah, I, right. I suppose. Doesn't inspire confidence. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing is, like I said, I I got my Nocturna paints. So I ordered this ogre from Atlantis Miniatures. Nice. Because I just wanted a really cool ogre. This is for our other D&D campaign. I wanted a cool ogre for this NPC who is now the best friend of my goblin. And I want to get a cool ogre mini for him. <laughs> And so I found this Atlantis miniature and I ordered it. And again, the quality on this was amazing. Um, and it was a single piece. Oh, a single cast. Okay. A single cast. And it's got more depth to it. He's got his big hammer over his shoulder and, and it doesn't, I wouldn't have guessed it was a single cast if, if looking at it, painted. Um, and so I'm working with the skin tones of him right now. And, and I'm working in the, Dark to light method, and so in the after party today, I am going to talk through the something new that I tried with that.
0: So okay, that's pretty cool. Um, I wanted to mention something about the fact that the Lucas Pina model we bought uh, had no mold lines on it and stuff like that. And I think it's I think it's becoming normal. Maybe it's not becoming normal, but some companies they actually clean the model mm-hmm. before they send it off. And they don't do it in such a way that you can see the scrapes of an Xacto knife. They do it in such a way that it looks like there is no mold lines in the first place. Um, I haven't seen that model yet, but is it possible that it also was a single pour cast and there weren't? It, it wasn't a two-part mold that got smushed together.
1: I'm that's what my where my brain went at and looking at it. I'm looking okay. at the major piece, which is the dwarf, and he, it, I think there was like five pieces of that model. Oh, okay. So that major chunk, which is the majority of the model. Um, It looks to me like it's a single pour, but okay, I haven't yeah. looked at it really closely that it's entirely likely that there is some, some pre-cleanup that was done prior to sending them out. When you have a limited run, and it's the most the only ones you're ever going to produce, and it's 500-ish, mm-hmm. like that's still a lot of work. And his turnaround time from when you ordered them
0: until when you got them
1: was pretty quick.
0: Sure. So that would be a lot of hours to... Clean. clean up everything. Yeah, so if it's a single pore mold, if you're following along, uh, there would be no mold lines because there's no two halves to put together because the mold line happens when you put two molds together and a little bit of resin sandwiches out when you squeeze them together. then mm-hmm. you have a little seam to clean up. Um, like uh, injection molding that GW does. It's two halves of a mold. They sandwich it together and then they literally inject like liquid plastic into the mold and then a little bit squeezes out right at the edge of the, of the sandwich and you get a little mold line. Yeah, that's where you see those right across the old Space Marine pauldrons. You see
1: that little line you got to clean up? That's what that's from.
0: Exactly. So if you hold a sprue and you're looking at it top down, you can see the rectangle. Then you rotate it such that it's now a one line, and you envision every single part in that sprue. The mold line runs around it at Mm. that intersection. That could be a great way to find mold lines because that's how they work. That's how they're made, injection molded models. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we painted that's what we're painting now today's a very special episode john
1: <laughs> is it
0: yeah do you know why it's a special ep- episode i i do know why but i want you to tell me why because this is the 26th episode do you know how often we release ep- episodes every other week do you know how many weeks are in a year 52 you know what that means what's 52 divided by 26 two that means this is a year anniversary of the podcast this is one one year ago we started this tup is one year old not including the deafening roar three episodes we did which if you want to watch those we'll link those in the show notes those are pretty good too audio isn't as good because we were using uh, my normal mics for video which up here off camera um but those were good conversations. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see them, check them out. But yeah, we've been going for a year, and so we wanted to do a little retrospective, which yes. is a very businessy term. Yeah, very businessy, <laughs> very businessy. Um, and yeah, I, so here, here's my impression of the podcast. Uh, um, uh, my, <laughs> hear my stomach growling. John's stomach had an opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's like bruh, feed me ten bees, Whenever John comes over, whenever I go over to John's house to do a podcast, it's always. It's always a it's a joyful part of my week. Yes, you know it's like okay today, John's gonna to come over. We're gonna record. We're gonna chill. I'm not running around getting shots, painting stuff. We're gonna get some tendies for mm-hmm. lunch. It's a good day. Mm-hmm. So I always enjoy it when you're here. I'm never dreading it. My wife edits it. I don't care. <laughs> you know, like it's 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 chill. Um, my one concern is that I always don't like doing things aimlessly, mm-hmm. and my concern for the podcast is that the topics are beginning to. It's like a limit in mathematics. They are approaching infinity, which means that every single episode to me is blurring together and no one listens to the episodes because they might have genuinely good insight and that every single episode has value in and of itself. And rather they're listening to it because it's background noise for while they're hobbying. And while that's fine, they can be background noise, but I don't want it to be the only thing about the podcast. That's good. Oh, here's Two idiots talking about something adjacent to what I'm doing, might as well put it on, you know? I want it to be like, this is really insightful. I want to listen to it. Right. You know, so that's my concern with our topics that they're going to be like, okay, Scott has said something like this before. I don't need to give my full attention. Uh And so I don't know how to devise a miniature painting idea for a podcast that is new and fresh and unique every single time. Sure. I have one idea and that's, we would analyze a piece every single time That was new, and we could talk about why why we liked it. There are art podcasts that do that. They'll talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, the girl with the pearl earring, and you know, they'll analyze it, talk about the history of it. You know, our hobby isn't that old. Maybe there's as much to say. So, that's my that's where my head is at right now in regards to the podcast.
1: Okay, I'm confused. So, is (laughs) (laughs) when we're looking back in in reflecting on a year in the podcast, you are you talking? You're not talking about reflecting in that statement
0: right you're talking about this is how you feel now or this is how you felt
1: prior this this is
0: a a retro so right yeah that's a great question to ask um this is how i feel after having done the podcast for a year okay so an example of an episode that i loved and that i feel like i wish every single episode could be was our discussion on recasting Mm. that is a Is a is a cool topic in and of itself. Um, If I made a video about it on my channel, it would be long and kind of weird. It's best done as a conversation. Sure, and it was a good conversation. It was unique to miniature painting. If every single episode could have a topic like that, that'd be awesome. awesome. That's impossible, Mm. but that's what I. That is, that's the that's the angle in my head. Yeah.
1: Um. So you you're concerned with the with the longevity of always having something. Interesting. Interesting to have a Yeah, and worth
0: having a discussion about.
1: Do you feel that that's different than having a mini-focused YouTube channel and running out of content on weekly uploads? No.
0: It's different? No, yeah. Well, okay, part of it just comes down to being creative. Obviously, because Mm -hmm. I've been making videos a lot longer, I have a much longer list of things that I think are compelling. But also, at the very core of it, if I just painted a model and talked about that model in a video there are endless models true so there is an endless well of content that i could always back up to and that's just painting a model and talking about it sure so what is our painting a model and talking about it example for the podcast where is that endless well that we can always draw from just in case we don't have a super special idea sure so that's you know
1: so really by you asking these questions you are asking the sprues and spruettes to please give us the answer because we don't have it
0: (laughs) (laughs) no we don't yeah like if you have an idea for how you want a miniature painting podcast to look and sound and feel like we'd love to hear it because i'm not the biggest podcast consumer so i'm not i'm because of that i don't have big innovative thoughts about podcasts Mm -hmm. i do about videos because i watch tons of them from other creators so yeah if, if you have a certain thing let us know yeah
1: And I, prior to us starting this podcast, I was not a podcast listener since I think us actually having a podcast was kind of the catalyst for me to get more interested in seeing what is out there in the greater world of the podcast realm. Ones that are very successful, ones that do um, a lot of really innovative or interesting things in, in the field and consume those. So now I listen to podcasts every day. Awesome. So and I kind of, I sprinkle around and I hop around. I've got a couple that I stick to. I mean, I listen to Joe Rogan experience a ton, but in inter mingled with that are a bunch of others that I attach on to, or my wife tells me about, or ones that I've heard from, from Sam with the last podcast on the left. I oh, got into a huge that one. For, a, yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, this is me kind of like, I guess digging into your question. Um, to me, there are two types of podcasts and, and I'm, I'm making this more simplistic, but in, in how I've analyzed it and when I look at each kind of podcast that are successful, they fall into one or two categories. Category number one in, and in, in this is how they to achieve the goal that you're looking for. Sure. Podcast number one is the constant interview podcast. There's always a guest there's, or a guest host or whatever. And that in and of itself always make sure that it is fresh and, and unique and individual. Exactly. Because that new perspective, that new person coming on there is what makes it so. And it takes a lot of the pressure off. Right. And that's what that's what the Joe Rogan experience does. It's always a different guest. It's always somebody interesting and famous or somewhat famous or, or an interesting scientist or, or an right. expert in a field. And because you like Joe... And Joe is so good at interviewing and making it seem seamless and making it feel like a natural conversation that you're along for the ride, regardless of if that individual guest interests you or not, because Joe can lead a conversation in such a great way. By the end, there will be some part of most episodes that's going to be interesting to you. So that's one. Number one is the 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 constant guest. Yeah. Um, Number two. Number two is without constant guests and this is the the version that i i strive for us to to achieve or to be one day is if the host <coughs> excuse me if the host or hosts are interesting and their perspective and how they look at whatever it is they're talking about is something that i find interesting that i am willing to go along for the ride with them now in that format the exact topic or the brevity or intensity or um, substance of that topic doesn't necessarily need to be a pillar of excellence every time. If I am with them and feel to be a part of this weekly chat that we have or whatever it is, um, then that's what I get out of it. And from I, I've started to listen to a lot of wonderful ones that work this way, and it's given me a little bit more confidence that we can continue this. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I had that from the from the beginning. We've had these conversations from the beginning of when's the well gonna run
0: dry on stuff to topics to talk about. Right. And I I should be clear, I don't want the podcast to end. Okay. Maybe I was sounding a little doom and gloom. Yeah, you were. I don't mean yeah. The topic thing is where the well runs dry. Everything else in the podcast is gonna be new and fresh because you and I are always gonna be painting new stuff. Yeah. New things are always gonna be happening that we want to talk about. Yeah. That's never gonna be a problem. It's like what I think is the biggest part of the episode, which what's in the title, what's in the thumbnail. It's the topic discussion. Right? When is that gonna, not you know? Yeah. When is that gonna dry out? Yeah. In a lot of a lot of long running podcasts
1: that are, you know, a couple of co hosts or even a single person, um, they they either don't put a lot of description in the title or it's just episode number 271 or whatever, or it's very, sure, yeah. or it's very minimal. We're pushing, especially in the realm of the YouTube era of the thumbnail that we, we push to have increased the range of our audience by having a thumbnail and a title that inspires a click yeah 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 to get them on board that's youtube yeah yeah, yeah. yeah on the old ss youtube Areno tugboat <laughs> hop
0: on grab a sprue boop, boop. <laughs> yeah you know what we haven't discussed if we're going to take a break yeah and let's do this okay um john and i are going to skip one episode oh we are and you're going to come over to my house okay. and instead of recording we're going to look at all the comments on this episode and devise if there's a way we want to change our the way our episodes laid out or if not Dude, we, we're gonna get crucified we'll, for missing an episode that's okay okay <laughs> it's fine <laughs> do, well, hold on do you like that idea having a time having a this is the first time he's brought this idea up to me yeah yeah it. and then i, I just see. thought of it because i was like we kind of teased the idea of taking a break we never discussed it before we yeah. hit record yeah. today uh, so i feel like it would be good to have a scheduled time to have that conversation and to, and to share those ideas, because if you don't, it's kind of like it's kind of like we're just floating it to each other. in a never, it's never a reality. Nothing or, ever happens, yeah. right? Unless you just make a concerted effort.
1: Yeah. So we could do. I mean, we could totally do that. We we'll could discuss it. We yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um Or we we schedule another business meeting with that purpose of sure. two hours, and and we can we can do that remotely and stuff too. We've we've had. Serious businessy meetings before. We're very serious over people. discard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're very serious.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, while we well, were playing well, Dota, well, too. What? <laughs> <laughs> we'll pin it in the comments below if we are going to take a break or not. Yeah. Seriously, we could just keep doing this f- for a whole another year without taking a break at all. Um,
1: One thing that's kind of related to that, when I look in in retrospective how how things have changed over the inf- the full year. Yeah. And one of the most tangible ways that I can see that it's changed is when we look at our script from each week to week. Um, how much the preamble, <laughs> how much the random talking, how much the the getting into stuff on news, you know, going off on tangents on what we painted and what we liked and somebody else's painting and all this kind of stuff has increased the length of the episode, which is good, but it doesn't necessarily need to be that way to still be a good episode. I like, think. Quantity isn't always make better, right? Sure, right. Um, yeah, that's what
0: that quote is. Quantity doesn't always make better. Yes, <laughs> put that one on a t-shirt.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh,
1: I've I mean, that in some ways that that's allowed me to kind of feel like, oh, you know what? We don't always have to lean so heavy on whatever our topic is, and we've already kind of naturally gone this way. It's like ah. Uh, this topic's a little bit lighter this this time. Maybe we, we don't foresee us being able to get like 45 minutes of talking on that topic. But we got all this other crazy preamble stuff or whatever. It'll work itself out. And it right. ends up working itself out. Right, yeah. I think that has come with, with us getting more comfortable with the format sure. of a podcast. Sure, yeah. And so I don't like the idea of forcing something for the sake of doing it when if what we're doing naturally evolves into something that we have more fun doing. Sure. I My favorite parts of the podcast are always the beginning. I just like talking about whatever stuff that you and I were going to talk about anyway.
0: Yeah. So maybe season two is just, we just throw a bunch of random shit at people. Yeah.
1: I, I like some focus of, of <laughs> our attention on, on a topic, but I don't know if that, it needs to be so heavy as, as you're worried about that always has to be something of true importance is recasting a federal offense yeah so okay
0: you know? maybe okay i don't care if it's a serious thing but i just here's the end goal i want each episode to have value in isolation mm. I, I what i don't like about tv shows and i think this is transferred to podcast it's like I watched three episodes and it's like, I don't really like it. And it's like, Oh, you just got to watch eight episodes, you know, eight seasons. Okay. Then you'll like it. And it's like, well, no shit. Cause then I'm like going <laughs> through like Stockholm syndrome or some shit and I'm going to like it or whatever it is. It's like, I just want each episode to have value in and of itself. Not because maybe, maybe that's not, maybe that's the wrong thing for a podcast. Right. Cause people get used to the hosts and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it can have both. And yeah. I think it, I think to truly be, successful and and uh of value it should it should have both yeah that's true yeah okay so well
0: there's a retrospective yeah and everything w- else you want to say uh no i uh,
1: actually no. what what i would like to do is i would like to reach out to the sprues and spruettes is to give us yeah, you know i like physically touch you that was- <laughs> uh I w- we want your opinions i do i don't know if scott does <laughs> You just said I wanted them. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't hear that.
2: <laughs> Where are you? I don't, I
1: don't listen. I was heard the dog barking. Uh, I'll just blame the dog. <laughs> so, yeah, sound off in the comments. What do you think about the first year? What would you, what would you change yeah. in this podcast in its second year? We, yeah. we do want it to be better. We do want it to grow. Um, we do want to keep the things that are good and, and toss away the rubbish. Absolutely. Absolutely. so if you listen to podcasts and there's something that you really like and you know from a different one you think it would work or you want to just throw it across the bow we're interested in that too
0: sure yeah and if your opinion is just it's working keep it the same you can say that too but if you do have some idea of how to make it better let us know
2: yeah. yeah
1: yeah i mean one way we're, we're always talking about And kind of daydreaming on of of improving is is
0: from a a set location. Oh, yeah. We want a sexy set. Yeah. We want a big old fancy set. Whatever. What the fuck? This is the side of my set. (laughs) My set is that away.
1: Yeah. This way you don't even know we're on the maniac set. Oh, yeah. Can't even tell. You would never know. (laughs) Now by the giant maniac table that we're sitting at. (laughs) yes
0: we would like we like a fancy set cover (laughs) up
1: this set and for the people that listen to the podcast maybe you don't care as much about that and i totally get that Mm -hmm. um but we want to be comfy and feel like sexy men
0: yeah always (laughs) yes but a nice part about having a a set is that whenever john comes over i don't need to freaking set up all the cameras and all the microphones and tear down whatever was here from when i was making a video right takes like it takes like anywhere from an hour and an hour and a half to on how lazy I'm being mm. to kind of clean it up and get it set up for a podcast um, and it would just be nice if there was a dedicated space for it yep. but that's something that we have to sort out not you guys so don't worry about that yeah you don't worry about that I'll take care of this <laughs> daddy will take care of it don't yeah, you're already referring to yourself as a daddy <laughs> <laughs> This is the beginning of the end. <laughs> yeah. The well, next retrospective will be. <laughs> I have a great question. What was your, your favorite most toxic comment on your first video? Cause you don't get 20 K views without getting a few steamy comments. Okay. Yeah. There was a That's the beauty of a thousand views on a video. Everyone's nice. Yes. And I actually saw that in the hounding of the watching
1: my comment section. Oh yeah. In the first two days. I mean, rightly so. These weren't, bad comments they were just truthful comments that my audio sucked but people were nice about saying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though like you said there's a pinned comment and in the video description I'm like I understand, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um but I don't count those as bad. But oh. then yeah, once you got between 15 20 25,000 views on it. Then a couple started to come in. Yeah. And yeah, there's there was there was one um that mentioned you and Jeremy from Black Magic Craft. Um and called you two terrible names and then said that great John, you're just like those two.
0: See, what I don't get about that comment is fine. You can call me autistic, okay? Yeah. I've heard it before. I do 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 I goof da go, do, ga, go, go, go. I do goofy things in front of the camera. I get it. I'm a goofy person. I like funny sounds and funny faces. I'll admit it. I don't fucking care. I like that. But Jeremy? He's like a normal person.
1: Yeah, he's nice. As okay, him. yeah, like he's got a good personality without being wacky or over the top. And yeah, any way. he's not
0: wacky. He's a normal dude. And yeah. so I don't understand how someone could call him autistic. Yeah, but yeah,
1: and and it's not. Yeah, I I phrase it in they're using that as a a pretty harsh insults yeah it, when in fact yeah somebody with autism is not is not a it's not an insult that yeah. they're on the spectrum
0: it's like calling someone a retard it's yep. like not okay yeah um mental disability is, disability is not a joke and neither yep. is autism right um yeah but i sent you that because <laughs> i'm yeah. like hey look scott to talk about you <laughs> yeah yeah no. um and so i i felt, you know, I felt bad for yeah that I that stuff, that stuff kinda eats me away inside. Yeah. yeah it's
1: apparently I talked to Jeremy I, about it too. I sent him. Oh, yeah. I was like, hey Jeremy, looks like looks like I hit the big time. <laughs> <laughs> and he knew the person. Oh no. And he said, Oh, it looks like since he, that guy was blocked from Emily in my channel that he found someone new. Oh yeah. So people do the rounds, I guess. And if yeah. you, if if people are having a hard go at life, or they're just in a negative place, and this is how they can make themselves feel better. I feel bad for them, but that's just too bad. That the purpose wasn't even that I really, really hate you guys. That's not how I put it in my head. That he really hates us. He's just doing that to feel better. It makes him feel better to say something like that about somebody else. Like, okay, sure. I, I didn't lose any sleep over it.
0: Yeah, so. at the end of the day, we were like real people, and people don't understand that, but it doesn't matter. One cool trick about YouTube mobile, that's probably true on the desktop version as well, is when you click on a person's account icon, you can see all of the most recent comments they left on your channel mm-hmm. as a whole. So you can see if someone, like, okay, this guy's being a turd right now, and me click on his picture, and you can see if he's left a, a steaming trail of poops, <laughs> you just ban that bitch right away. Yeah. I,
1: I did block that guy from my channel. <laughs> it's not just worth your because, time. Well, from hearing of a history of... Of these things across multiple channels and that the others have blocked him I just thought it's probably best
2: yeah because uh, he's
1: got nowhere else to go he's just gonna hang out in my videos all the time and I don't want everyone else to have to be uh, accosted with that kind of language I yeah. don't care if it's pushed at me and doesn't hurt my feelings but right yeah i um, totally get that but uh <laughs> yeah there's something else i was gonna say and i forgot what it was oh shoot-skies. Uh, shoot-skies. No, shoot skis oh shoot skis no i was just like oh no I, okay in relation to being silly and calling people's names for being over the top those spruce and spruettes that have been with us for a while probably understand that this is no characters that we're playing no, right no, now no this is who we are yeah so you shouldn't be surprised <laughs> If these two weirdos
0: Come across as weirdos Yeah and like you know They're just shots of John With silver paint smear On his face <laughs> Going like ah! Ah! <laughs> Or I just take a break To go In the camera Just yeah. to fuck with you <laughs> Just cause you didn't See it coming Yeah um, Yeah
1: it's like uh, We're weird people Yeah, like, You should see Later, when we're going to sit and eat chicken tendies, we're going to be equally or more weird than yeah. we are right now. The stuff we talk about is just <laughs> strange. What we, find is, what we find funny is this weird. <laughs> okay. But it, it comes down to having fun. It comes down to really enjoying this. And that's well, my, always my worry, number one worry in retrospect of this podcast. And I'm really happy about where we're at with it at this point. My worry was this was going to be eventually become a grind. Sure. And feel like something that's a weight that's pulling down on us. Yeah. And that it's not fun. Sure. And sure, there is stuff that goes along with this that is work. And it should be work. Right. Yeah. I mean, we we can't be so convoluted to think that that's not going to be involved in this. But like you said from the get-go... This has always been fun. Whenever we're in it,
0: it's always fun. Yes. Unless we're hungover. But, <laughs> <laughs> it's still fun. It's just slower <laughs> fun. Yeah. Whenever we get into it, it's, it's fun. There are times where we're writing scripts for sponsors and like they're not responding. That's really annoying and things like that. Um, they can get annoying. But otherwise, the doing of the thing is fun. It's so fun. Yeah. So, man, that's a good bookend to just... The, the doing of the thing... thing
1: is fun that's on the back of the shirt i can't remember what's on the front on the,
0: yeah i was like what's on the front uh, anyways the topic for today is oh, it, so there's another topic that was kind of our pre-topic topic right that it, was uh yeah because that was after what we painted so it wasn't the preamble so it was the pre-topic pre-topic it just <laughs> made me
1: think of that uh jim gaffigan joke where it's like uh somebody from america talking to somebody from a starving third world country and oh like, yeah he's like no 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 Oh, that's the food we eat before we eat our food. You're thinking of dessert. Yeah. Dessert is the food that we eat after we eat our food. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Goodness. All right. So what's our topic? Before we get into the main topic for this video, this episode has a sponsor. And it's the same sponsor as we had last time. The glorious Dark Future Creations. Kickstarter is now out in full. And you can find it linked below. So Dark Future Creations
1: bring out this awesome Kickstarter created by mini painters for mini painters and they got this funky, unique style. This kind of sci-fi meets fantasy, meets post-apocalyptic,
0: meets something else that I'm not really sure, but it's cool. I'm getting a lot of ninja vibes from it when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Also, kind of like a little bit of an infinity vibe. Yeah. Yeah. A little Corvus belly in there. Yeah. We got the badass looking ninja dude. Oh, you know one thing? The creator noticed that you were sniffing the model. During the last time we were doing an ad read, so he was curious. Does it smell good? Smell pretty good. I kept sniffing it. <laughs> it
1: doesn't smell bad, right? No, it didn't. Have, it wasn't a stinky resin. That's a good thing because yeah. a lot of times those recasters they got smelly resin. Yeah, they got some smelly funk resin.
0: Their first line of miniatures is called Cyber Split, and it's available on Kickstarter now. As we said earlier in the podcast, and every single miniature is fleshed out with a wonderful backstory, and it's something that I always appreciate as someone who is a budding miniature creator that you have a story for them because that story links together all of the designs.
1: And so these miniatures can be purchased in 32 mil scale, 54 mil scale, mm. 75 mil scale. Mm. And they have something really unique. Um, and as I was putting together the the lady with the motorcycle, yeah. they have all these different extra pieces. Yes. But you can also have totally different poses yeah so for her you can have her either on the future motorcycle or like so she's straddling it like she's about to ride it Mm -hmm. or she's like leaning against it from the side
0: yeah it's so cool yeah it's kind of like the beauty of the multi-part poses that come with the new gw products we expect like you buy Mm -hmm. this kit you can make two different things but in a boutique resin miniature brand also linked below is Dark Future Creations' Instagram account, and you want to keep your eyes peeled on that account for awesome versions of their box art painted by Angel Geraldes, which one is already out. Mm-hmm. We can show it right now in the video. And other people like Matt Carnival, some up-and-coming painters. It's going to be tons of great versions of their miniatures on their account. Thank you once again
1: to Dark Future Creations for supporting all of us Sprudes at Spruettes here at Trapped Under Plastic and sharing some sweet models. Check out the Kickstarter.
0: The topic for today is about how good of a painter do you need to be before you can be a commissioned painter, mm. which is like a question that I get a ton. But also the other question or topic idea that came from one of our patrons was the idea of giving gifts to people that are painted miniatures. Mm. And I think that both of these topics have a similar line of conversation. So I wanted to put them together so we could discuss them together in one episode. Sure. So, um, first of all, the idea of giving painted miniatures as a gift is an idea that I freaking love. Mm -hmm. I've given my mom a painted bust. I have a Porsche model kit for my dad that I want to paint because he loves Porsches. Um, I bought a Master and Commander 75 millimeter model that looks exactly like... um, Russell Crowe. Russell uh, Crowe. Because my mom loves that show and I want to paint that for her. Um, she loved Russell Crowe. I don't know if she likes him in particular, but the stuff he's is in is often very good. We're she going to bring him. this right back around Russell Crowe. Uh, yeah, he's in Lame Age City. Yeah. Uh, beautiful mind. Like, he's in all kinds of good stuff. Gladiator. Oh, Gladiator. Dude. Uh, I just turned my compressor on. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much I love Gladiator. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's had some of the greatest quotes in that movie. Are you not entertained? Yeah, yeah. Or, you know father to a murdered mm. wife no no father to a murdered son husband to a murdered yeah. wife and i'll have my vengeance in this life for the next come on yikes that's some fucking writing right there Rough. um yeah so I've, I've i do buy minis with the intent of giving them as gifts and i wanted to give a gift to every single person in my family that inspired me or encouraged me to pursue painting as a hobby because as a kid hobbies that you do are often very short-lived It's like, I want to do a skateboard. And it's like, I'm not going to buy you the nicest skateboard, you idiot. I'm going to buy you a Walmart board. And if you can do a few tricks, then I'll get you a nicer one. Sure. you know, Pokemon. I was into Pokemon. I was into Magic the Gathering. That stuff all faded away. But miniature painting stayed in a big way. Yeah. And so I I wanted to give a gift to all my family members that, you know, bought minis for me. So my sister, my other sister, my mom, my dad, and stuff like that. They all bought stuff for me and encouraged that. So I wanted to, I love that idea. Um, have you ever given a gift as a painted miniature before? One, one time I did. Yep. And
1: I, it's funny because this topic, um, we hadn't decided this until about an hour ago, <laughs> but um, this has been on my mind a lot recently because I've been for months, I've been on the lookout for something that I would want to paint for my mom. So I was, I've just, which is difficult because she's not a, fantasy person but there's so much yeah and so or a science fiction person she's not into any of that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff those are the big ones yeah so but there are things within our genre that worked yes um and actually going through the spear mirabilis uh catalog of things that you can't just get now but there he's got plenty of them that would fit that route like what um like the cute little um gnome holding the baby gnome on his shoulder oh yeah. Yes. Like that one. Um actually I think the I one that I'm closest to buying um that I think would be a great one is is actually sculpted by Lucas but it's sold through Black Crow. Okay. And it's that I don't know if he's like a druid or just kind of an older guy and he's got he's got a staff with some cute little birds on it and then he's got his, his gnarled finger hold it up and there's this cute little pudgy sparrow on the end of it yeah that's something that it's not there's no axes and swords and blood and whatever even though it's fantastical in nature it could also just be an old guy
0: in the woods right yeah it's
1: close to nature What does so,
0: your mom actually like though does she like history is there something in history she likes she's like charlie chaplin is she like an old actor or something like that no not what really. does she like what's your thing What's Mama Nina's? Was, okay, my mom was
1: a home ec teacher for thirty-five years. Okay, so okay, she okay. Is, she is the she is all about providing. So she will uh, she makes big meals for everyone. She's she sews clothes and she makes blankets and she she's got a whole sewing room that oh, is nice. just massive and filled with stuff to the brim and she creates quilts and she judges at high level competitions for quilt making and like stuff. like state fair kind of stuff. Yes, and Sick. there are big just like many conventions, there are big quilting conventions. I believe it, and um and so she is. Participated and won awards in those over the years, and now she's like judges in that stuff. So that's her thing. Like she is very artsy oriented. That's where I get it from. Okay. And so just like you, with the family that's fostered that, my family never fostered me with mini paintings. I didn't really started as a young young kid, but my mom always pushed me and supported me through art. Yeah. And so that's why I think like, well, this is the form that in my adulthood has taken. For art for me yeah. is this miniature art form yeah so that's why i really wanted to give that something to her right um
0: could you paint something with the tartan or with a quilted padded on it oh something geez. heavy in cloths that would clothes. be cool did you like a t- is, there, is there a tv shell that she likes or is really is quilting her thing that's her thing like, is she, like a seamstress model oh i don't know that's
1: a good question I don't know. That I would just, be a great thing just, if there was. We're uh, just tossing ideas. Yeah. Yeah. But she's but she's like, okay, my mom is the nicest woman on the planet. She is. As moms are. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny too is that um, all <laughs> the other teachers in school is where, you know, where, if your parent is a teacher, you end up, especially in a small town, you're friends with all the other teacher families. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I know all, I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. Like, and not that they all like hang out together or whatever, but like they know each other and they go to picnics or whatever they, um, you know, you know, I knew their kids because they were all school families in the summer. Um, I remember distinctly every summer for like a week and a half before school would start, all the teachers are back and prepping. Yeah. But for all the teachers that have kids that in the summer, the, the teachers are home with their kids, right? Yeah, so right. when they got to come in for prep week, all of us kids are running around the halls of the empties high school. Oh, that sounds so cool. It was the best. Like, dude, we had, we could have the full gym to ourselves. We had basketballs or we do like run around with volleyballs, playing dodgeball and stuff and going down to the pot machine. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Mama gave me some quarters. <laughs> Woo, I hopped up a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, so all the teachers well, there was a point to this, all the teachers, they always referred to my mom. She, they, her name is, is Deb or Debbie. All of them call her nice Debbie. Like it's one word because she was known as the nicest teacher in the school and not that she wouldn't reprimand kids, but she, they were like, why are you always so nice in everything? So anyway, so my mom is so nice and that means whatever you want to watch on TV, my mom will love to watch that. Okay. What happened to you? Yeah. I, uh, i you, if you met my dad, you'd understand. <laughs> <laughs> my dad is weird as shit. <laughs> I love it. I'm just ribbing you. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, yeah. So, there's not a particular... Like, she likes Harry Potter because we like Harry Potter. She likes... She watched... Growing up, I, I always watched Survivor. Like, Survivor was my favorite show. Okay. The, the the first reality show. And so, she and I, every week, would watch Survivor. Now, since I grew up and moved out, did my mom keep watching Survivor? Yes, yeah, Sometimes. But it wasn't, like, because of that. You know, she doesn't do that with my dad, though, because she's sick his shit, and they're both retired. <laughs> so, like, she's just so over, like, you know, just appeasing what he wants to do. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a very outdoors family, and she enjoys the outdoors. She doesn't hunt and fish like we do, but she enjoys that, too. So anything with nature, that's what I thought the gnarled dude with nature and stuff. She's got a big hosta garden and stuff that she has plants in the backyard. So they awesome. live in the country. So I think maybe that's good enough and honestly if it's something that she knew i put time into and that i wanted to give it as a gift yep. i don't think it matters uh, yeah. what it's of yeah she I probably agree. wouldn't want it on her coffee table
0: if it's a naked booby demon lady yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no no No. no. I, I, I got you i got you mm-hmm. uh yeah my mom is pretty easy to come up with ideas for because she likes star trek she likes lord of the rings mm-hmm. um you know she loves history uh so there are so many minis i could pay for my mom um, but again, yeah, you are right. Any gift for a parent would they're gonna love it no matter what. Yeah. So yeah, in, in the realm of giving gifts to people that are painted miniatures, I say do it. I don't. And, and part
1: of his question was like, how good should I be before I start thinking about? Oh, doing is that this? yeah, yeah? Because yeah. that's not the the connection here. How good do I have to be to be a commission painter? How good? Part of the question with the. What do you guys think of giving minis as gifts? And how good should I? How much quality should I put in? How much time should I put in? How good do I have to be to do it? Right. Yeah. I don't think that matters. I think the the bigger question there in in his question was how much do I put into it? I think the time is important because it's showing in a gift how much you care about them that you're taking this extra time to create this for them.
0: Yes. Now, majority of people you're probably giving a gift to that's a painted miniature probably aren't very familiar with miniature painting as a hobby and say, so they don't know what a good quality paint job looks like. Mm. Right. So like my mom doesn't browse Instagram and, you know, looking at, uh, Mark Musclon and <laughs> Mike, Mikhail Pasarsky. you know, she doesn't know how, what amazing mini's look like. Um, so she's going to be happy with whatever I do. So part of it is knowing your audience, but the other part of it is, you know, you're also going to know how good it is just from your own personal perspective. You're going to be like, if I punted on this and it to my mom, you're not going to feel as good as if you put your heart and soul into it. Right. Does that mean killing yourself over a good job? No, but that means giving, you know, giving it a decent amount of effort such that it looks nice. So, but yeah. Uh, So how good do you need to be? As good as you are. As good as you are. Yeah. Right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, um, (laughs) if, if, the miniature hobby and miniature painting is an important part of your life. Um, oftentimes people appreciate the thought and the effort into a gift as much as you just physically buying me an iPhone or whatever. Mm. But if you want to give me an iPhone, that's cool. Scott, (laughs) (laughs) especially when we're dealing with loved ones and and parents in particular. Yeah. What am I going to do give my dad another, I don't know, waffle maker, whatever. Like it, like they got enough stuff. Yeah. We got plenty of, of stuff, but, um yeah you you putting that effort into it and and you're sharing with them an important part of your life which is miniature painting yeah and you're giving them something that you put a bit of yourself into yeah yeah dude what's what's better to ask for not now now every birthday i'm just gonna make my wife a mini i don't have to buy her anything (laughs) oh boy she'd love that yeah Uh, i don't think i'll ever paint one for her because she would not find it endearing
0: no i don't think amber really would care for a painted miniature either and that isn't uh we're not trying to knock our wives right now um but my my wife is someone who knows what a quality paint job looks like because she's been forced to look at them a lot (laughs) not saying my own but i always show her instagram pictures of stuff like look at this amazing paint job like that looks like a real metal it's nmm so she knows all the terms and what what looks good what doesn't look good um but i will say uh for our anniversary I busted out the styrene, my favorite product, (laughs) and a bunch of tufts, my second favorite product. And I I pieced together this 3D lettering that said, I love you. And it was, I heart you. And I glued it all together. So it's one piece and I I put dirt on it and I flocked it. And I put a bunch of, she likes nature, a bunch of flowers and different things on it. And that was a little hobby adjacent thing that then she then hung on the wall in in the editing room, which is like the pink room, like yeah. her room, that she got to design, where I spend most of my time. Uh- <laughs> Ironic, <laughs> um, but that was like a thing where it's like, okay, this isn't a miniature, but this I think this was a fun crossover between I like to you know get dirty and make fun things that are scratch built, um, and also appreciate my wife with it. So maybe there is room for stuff like that that maybe don't involve painting miniatures for those that would genuinely not care to receive a miniature.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good way to, to think about this at a larger scale beyond just like finding a bust and painting it for them and yeah, giving yeah. it a gift. What right. if, you know, like, oh, if find. remember my when my dad was growing up, he was always, this is not a true story, but in theory, like, oh, my dad growing up, he remember he had a 72 Camaro and it was whatever. What if you found that even if a Matchbox car and you made a little diorama of of that car in a driveway, mm-hmm. whatever that required little or no painting. But it's it's skills that you have, yes, in in that you've learned in in the mini hobby. Um, that would maybe make it go over the top a little bit more, a little bit more custom, instead of you just getting him a Corvette Matchbox car. You're actually giving him something that you created, yeah. and it makes it a little bit cooler,
0: a little bit oh, more real. Yeah, so much cooler, yeah. You give him one of those, like, I mean, I think whenever you give gifts that are minis. To someone who doesn't know about minis, you should give it to in one of those like uh, globe things that has like a lid on it. Mm. You know, like uh, like I put my baseball in here that I caught it the at the winning game. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, for <laughs> the home team. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah, yeah, like it's cool. It's a cool piece, and then it's covered from dust and stuff like that, yeah. and also people's grimy ass fingers. Um, I think that that'd be cool too. It makes it seem more special. It's got that Snow White appeal. I the only Snow White. No, 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 no. What was the the flower in the glow? Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. appeal. Yeah.
1: There's an actual term for what those things are, and we'll cloche. No, that's that's the metal thing over food. Food. (laughs) That's a cloche. Okay. Um, but somebody in the comments will tell us what it's called. Yep. Um, the only mini that I've painted as a gift was my good uh, my buddy that I, I play a lot of board games with. He's the self-confessed kickstarter addict that kickstarts every game and he's the it's one I'm, no this isn't joshy this is my buddy dan and i play with uh, i play gloom right now with them and he's got all these mini games and all these miniatures and stuff and i was it two christmases ago shortly after i had started painting i sent a text to his wife i'm like hey um is there a certain mini from a game that he owns that like he liked the most, or you think it would be really cool mm-hmm. if he would have painted? And she's like, "Yes." She took pictures of three. These are like three of his favorites, and of course, two of them were big ass dragons. <laughs> <laughs> in the get third what one, you wish for John. <laughs> in the third one was uh, also as big, but just not a dragon. So I'm like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and so I I had her sneak it out, nice. of the house, yeah. get it to me. And then I painted it and then for Christmas he got his own mini bag. Nice. But it was painted. It was a painted cool. dragon. Um and that was super cool because it was a surprise. It was I didn't have to worry about it being something he liked. I knew he liked it. Yeah. But in now it's something that he has and he has they have a like a glass display cabinet where they have all this their weird fantasy tchotchkes in. And now it's in there. So it's safe from dust. But that was something that I was like, Oh man, that's super cool. But It kind of shied me away from thinking about doing that for a while because how fucking long it
0: took me to paint that big dragon. You need to be careful, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, some people, I mean, yeah. she she, That's the problem people who don't paint managers also because like she has no idea how long that thing would take to paint, right? She's like, whatever, you know, you just spray paint it with a can and paint it. No, it's like that it takes a while, so the smaller the better. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, well, I think we should start to transition over into the realm of commission painting. Yeah, Do you think that the answer is different for commission
1: painting? No. Oh, Spoilers. Scott's answer is when should you
0: commission paint? Now? Right now. Right now. Here's the thing. I feel like anyone who is going to start a career in commission painting, I don't know. I feel like it should come naturally. Mm. You just paint your own stuff, right? And you put it out there in the, on the internet on in your little Instagram account. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it. Mayhem miniatures. That's a good one. Don't put miniatures in the title, please. Stop doing that. Keep it out. You don't need it. (laughs) No. If you look at your thing, you can see they're all minis. Okay, we get it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What about studios? Can we put studios (laughs) in the name? TV. Yeah. No. I. Okay. That's just that's a pet peeve of mine. You don't need to listen to that. That's my opinion. Um, but you're gonna paint things. You're gonna put it on your Instagram account. You're gonna put it on Facebook. You put it wherever. Eventually someone's gonna reach out and be like, Hey, can you can you paint something for me? And then at that point, like, Okay, sure. Try it out, you know, quote a price, give it a give it a thing. You put it on Instagram, it's like, Hey, I paint as a commission for someone and someone else is like, Oh, you do commissions? And then it's just like it just then it just builds that. Okay? So I feel like someone going into it. It's like I'm going to be a commission painter, so I need to advertise things and things like that and figure out my rate. I feel like it's much better. It just happens naturally. Yeah,
1: because if you put so much on the front end and like prepping to do this, and this is my goal to achieve, and all this, um, you kind of put yourself into a corner of not being sub, you know, you know not being subjective. Afterwards, to see, do I really like doing this, or is this something I really want to do? Because if you're like, yeah, I'm gonna be a commission painter. I'm gonna make money painting minis. <laughs> I'm gonna figure out all my rates. I'm gonna figure out my tiers of quality. I'm gonna blah 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 blah. I'm gonna figure all this stuff out first. Right. And now you're invested. Yeah. And you haven't even done it yet. Yeah. And what happens? You do the first one. You're like
0: this kind of sucks. Actually, I don't
1: like painting, spending all this time painting cool stuff for somebody else.
0: Yeah. Or, or I don't like painting things worse than I'm capable of. Yes. And then you figure out this whole thing you advertised is like, damn, I don't want to run my business this way. And it's like, you got to figure that out in a little trial period. Right. So
1: yeah. Yeah. I did a lot of, didn't know my pricing, didn't have structure on how long it was going to take. Didn't know what the quality was going to be. I'm just like, I'm just going to do it naturally. I'm going to probably make pennies on the dollar by doing it this way, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to kind of figure it out as I go and make some mistakes and learn from doing. And I, I think if I were to do it over again and just start commission painting for the first time, I would probably end up doing it the same way. And I'm okay with that because nothing helps you learn faster than doing it yourself. And guess what? In the process, you're going to become a better painter because you're painting and you're going to get some work out there in the world that you've, created as commissions. So you're always just getting down and doing it is, is the, a good approach. I mean, unless you're just like, look, uh, I'm going to get laid off at the end of the month and I need to figure this out because I'm going to do this instead of going to apply at Domino's Pizza instead. Like, yeah, if that's the commitment you're going to make, then you probably should do some homework on the front end so you're not kicking yourself after you took on a dozen commissions. You got to finish by the end of the month and you found out your rate based on quality is so far off and you're costing yourself hundreds of dollars this month and stuff like that. But I don't encourage folks to go that route if you can help it. If you can help it. Right. Yep. What that person in that situation, when I would do, I'd be like, get the job at Domino's pizza. Yes. Let's start this. You work, schedule yourself for hours per week. You can still paint while working that job and find that natural transition. So your bills get paid
0: and see if this is something you want to get into. I a hundred percent agree. Um, you brought up some interesting, I mean, okay, maybe we can answer the question in a in a different way for those that are still, I mean, I feel like that that answer is never satisfying to people who are looking for, okay, I need to paint as good as GW Box Arts before I can do commissions. That's bullshit. That's an example. Um, mm-hmm. But they're looking for that answer, right? Mm-hmm. So here, maybe here's a different way of phrasing this. You can be a commission painter when the quality of your paint job attracts people in your local area to pay you for it. Sure. Okay. Because that's really who you're selling to, I think, the most part. Yeah. Not many. There are people that will receive things in shipment or pay for things locally, and then charge the person and ship it out after. That's yep. a thing. Yeah. That's the the only way I've done commissions, mm. because I get them all from YouTube, right? Mm. Um, and I'm the opposite.
1: I've only ever all done them in person. Right. With local people.
0: Which that to make so much sense, because like yeah. you bring your minis to the store, you play a game. People say, "Oh, this is the, this is the good painter." Or this is the guy who's just willing to paint at all period <laughs> right yeah. so the standards for how good you are going to be depend entirely on uh what is the expectation of your customer right if you live in an area if you live in like like nottingham uk and 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 the gw you go to has like a bazillion heavy metal painters they're going to have a different expectation for what they want their minis to look like they're going to want to maybe even look like heavy metal paint jobs because that's kind of like their ecosystem mm-hmm. but where you live is likely not going to be that Uh, it's going to be something very different and so you kind of have your you know your finger on the pulse of your community understand who the painters are like uh, what the other commission painters are doing what they're charging things like that you kind of got to figure that stuff out Um, I mean even in my area which is fairly active in terms of like commission painting and stuff like that I don't feel like anyone really has preconceived notions of what kind of quality to expect because there are so many of us that we haven't really developed like uh this is what I expect for ten bucks an hour kind of thing. Right. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I think we should probably also real quick clarify neither of us are f- like commission painters, but we for anything, yeah. But we <laughs> Yeah, uh, please, we don't want your commissions. <laughs> no. Um, but we've both done our fair share of commission work. Yeah, I've before. done
0: like six or seven commissions, yeah. yeah I've done um, more than
1: that, but I I'm I'm hoping I never have any more. My my slate is currently clean. I have
0: no backlog. I got one left. Oh, it's going to be yeah, a good a, day. Well, a, a party. It's a big one, too. Uh-oh. Is that that night? It's a night. Oh, lordy. i got a plan, though. You yeah, got well, a plan to finish it. Yeah,
1: you sound so confident, so I've, I'm sure it'll go smoothly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, it's like half done already, so. Oh, well, you did all the, the converting stuff. All the converting is done.
1: done. <laughs> That's the time sink for sure. Yeah, definitely. Dude, I, I commend you, and by commend you, I mean you're an idiot for taking on a commission job that also included a big conversion. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so I was kind of thinking, I am an idiot, you're right. I'm <laughs> kind of thinking like maybe we should get some advice about people who are wanting to look into commission painting from people who have dabbled in it but are not experts. Yes. Um, do you like that idea? I like that. Let's do that. Let's commence. Um, don't agree to paint something. Okay. So the problem with painting something that massive that you've never painted before is you don't know how long it's going to take you. Yes. Right? Another common question is how much should I charge? I get that question all the time. And it's like, okay, how long is it going to take you? What do you want to earn hourly? Multiply the two. There's your value, right? Right. So for me, when I was doing commissions, I was like, I just want to earn 10 bucks an hour. Okay. It takes me 20 to 30 hours to paint to paint a miniature. So for like a single miniature that I tried really hard on, um, I would uh, I would charge 200, 300 bucks.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I can paint faster than that. I just didn't want to. Okay. I, I wanted yeah. to paint however I wanted to paint. I didn't want yeah. to charge the, here's the cheaper rate. And I would never paint a unit. It's always a single dude. Mm. Um, and I was very comfortable with that. I knew how I knew how long it would take me to paint a Space Marine character with all their fiddly-ass details. Um, I knew how long it would take me if they wanted me to do NMM versus TMM. Like I knew what that happened. But then someone was like, you want to paint a Night Titan? And I was like, I just saw the dollar signs. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I could charge more. So I charged $400. And it does not take 10 more hours to paint a night Titan if it takes you 30 to paint a 32 (laughs) mil model. I'm going to... That that, that model is the size of this guy's fucking shin. Okay? (laughs) So, having experience uh, in painting a certain thing before you quote it is probably a good idea. So, if you're going to do commissions for night Titans, paint one for yourself first to see how long it takes you. Make a note of it and then... Know what your hourly rate is, what's your time worth, and then multiply it.
1: That's commitment. You're saying I'm going to go out and buy a Knight Titan to paint for myself just for the point of painting it for somebody else.
0: Yeah, maybe you wouldn't do that just for the sake of your commission business, but maybe the hope is that you play an army that might have a Knight Titan. Or at the very least, you realize in taking a Knight Titan Titan commission, this is going to take you a significantly longer time than what you normally take. Yeah. Being that it's new and being that it's gigantic.
1: Yeah, I, I think there, you are just dealing with the size difference is is an important thing that you will gain perspective on as you paint more models. Mm-hmm. If you are somebody that doesn't paint big stuff or haven't before, nothing you don't want to, um, it's a harder it's harder to estimate that, right? You know, and I always what i what I've come to do, and I didn't do it at the beginning, is I always go through and talk them through the justification of why I am charging them that. Oh, I don't even do that. Oh, I do. I I. I do that because most of these people that have reached out to me there, and I would call them in some degree on the spectrum of friend. Um, it could be just kind of an acquaintance, but they're a gamer in my area or whatever, and I've sure. talked to them before, or yeah. higher friend than that. And I always feel like this, like, if I just throw $600 at you, I'm scared of how you're going to take that. Yeah. And that may affect our relationship. You think I'm trying to rip you off or whatever and be like, okay, here's here's what we talked about from the quality you want. And how many hours it will take me? Approximately my estimate for um, for that quality of that mini, and then my ten bucks an hour. And I I think I would do I did done fifteen an hour for the last number. I'm not saying you, yeah, but whatever, yeah. Um, and when it's broken down that way, people then I've had nothing but positive responses. One, because you're being transparent, and two, they're actually seeing, yeah, now it makes sense to me. I'm not actually. he's not charging me 50 bucks an hour to do this thing. And he's ripping me off. He's, this is how much it's a work's going to be done. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what it takes. Um, I'm not charging you more because I think I'm a better painter than Bill over there who, you know, can only paint two color space Marines, blah, blah, blah. No, it's just like, no, I'm just trying to give you a good estimate. Um, that's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. I wasn't trying to say you shouldn't be doing that. Okay. Um, yeah. but
1: I, it's also because I don't want, It to be an awkward if I know these people, sure. I don't want it to be awkward for them to turn me down, yeah. And I and I always say that and be like, this is what it would be. Um, it totally understand if you didn't want to spend that much, um, but that that's what it would that was what the cost would be if if this is what you wanted, right? I think a key factor in this is being clear with both with pictures and examples of a quality level you are talking about, yes. The number one issue that I've heard of horror stories of people in as a consumer that has purchased a paint job from other people is the quality was not what they expected. Yes. Sometimes you get that lovely flip side of the coin where it's way better than I did than I thought it was gonna be. But more than likely it's the other side. So you in order for your long term success as a commission painter, you need to make sure that you've got a catalog for each of your tiers.
0: Or if you don't have tiers, it's just like it's gonna be this
1: yeah minimum this
0: it's gonna be me <laughs> now yeah it's a, that's a fantastic idea and you know where that catalog comes from paint more minis painting before you become a commission artist right you know, just, just just doing it just doing the hobby um just take pictures of your minis
1: yeah you have gotta have a catalog of of you know examples of things that you've done before and i've often found that people that have reached out to me to do stuff um it's because they saw a thing that I did, and it was thought to be like, "Oh, it would be super cool. Would you paint this in kind of the way that you kind of did that? Maybe with these slightly different colors or whatever." Right. Um, and so that will in- That will get you business by sharing and you know and
0: spreading the word on this is what I do, and here's examples of it. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to talk about and relates and relates in regards to pricing is you should not charge less if you paint worse. And let me justify this. We're all human beings. Mm-hmm. Time is finite for all of us. If you want to undercut someone by like two bucks an hour to get more sales, like you can choose to do that. But at the end of the day, I know what my time is worth and I'm going to charge that regardless uh of whether or not there's someone on this earth that paints better than me and charges less. Mm-hmm. I could not care less about that person. What I care about is my time. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a bad painter and you're like, oh, I'm charging 10 bucks an hour. It's like, okay, if they're not gonna take you at 10 bucks an hour, then maybe you just need to paint more. And mm-hmm. then at that point, then you can start charging that. But don't, don't undervalue yourself is the, is the thing that I'm getting across right now. Don't paint for three bucks an hour. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth the heartache and the struggle um, I think you should charge what your time is worth, not how good of a painter you are. Yeah, and if
1: they value that and they want that from you, and they want your work,
0: and you're being transparent about yeah. your 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 quality of outcome, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: There's always something that, uh, I, and I don't necessarily know the answer to this, but maybe I pose it to you and so see we can talk through it about when it comes to pricing for commission work. People that are seasoned commission painters, um, that are really good at a, whatever. Standard is kind of their bread and butter. Maybe yeah, they have multiples that they can knock. What they can knock out to a certain standard can and can be much faster than maybe what I could of doing that a whole unit of ten space marines or a whole army or whatever. What how quickly they can achieve the result um, is so much different. And there's such a wide spectrum there. Yes, and then we get into pricing. If you're pricing by the hour why those people don't charge you less because they can get it done twice as fast they're still charging for a product yeah so because otherwise if you did that and I, the more I painted the faster I got it to get it this quality I would actually be making less money no because you'd be painting more
0: you're accomplishing more in the time that you have and are able to do more with your time and thus make more but also you should charge more in your rate as you get better and better sure because your time is worth more sure I think. Oh, maybe I just contradicted myself. Did I just do that? If you paint better, your time is worth more money? No. I think it comes down to a perception thing. I don't mean that. I mean it's a, a perception thing. If you could be, if you, I don't know, this is just me being jaded. If I could be doing something else I'd rather be doing and, and enjoying myself in a, in, a, in a better way, I'm going to charge more for a commission because I'd rather be doing something else. Sure. That's not normal though. I don't think that's normal. Cause people who are Because people who that. are commission painters, so... Uh, so the question is, is like the question that I'm encountering is: at what point do you increase your rates, sure. right? And I just ran into a little bit of a, a loophole in my logic. Whereas, well, when you get better, you can charge more, mm-hmm. and I just said charge what your time is worth, mm. right? So, does that mean as you get better, your time is worth more, thus your rate goes up, or is your rate increasing because you are improving as a painter? This is, a, it is a, a weird distinction.
1: Well, if you try to think about it from a different, um, a different aspect of life, like if there is a a builder, right, a a company that builds houses, and they become more um, well known and they're growing as a company, and then they, you know, all these things, do they then charge more to build a house than they did before, or is it just that? because the company is growing and they're successful, that they're gonna get more jobs to build more houses. And in order for them to still stay competitive in the market,
0: they have to still relatively keep their rate the same. Yeah, there's probably some of that. I assume what happens, a natural progression for commission painters and anyone who does anything, like a contract rate where you set your own rates, If you're good at what you do, at a certain point, you're going to have more customers than you can fulfill, right? And so there's two approaches to this. You can charge more Mm -hmm. and lose some of those bottom customers, Mm -hmm. but also just have enough customers that fill your time totally. Yeah. Now you're making more. Or two, you can hire help maintain your level of quality and now output more and thus earn more. Sure. You can become a blue table painting of the world or I don't know, there's commission studios all over siege studios. They're like yeah. know, a group of painters that paint to a similar standard and all make money together. Um, yeah. You're right. The, I think the more logical or, or
1: the more common of those two is the first example. Yes. There's X number of hours in a week that I can paint. Minis. i'm if i'm getting to a point where i'm backlogged and i i'm you know i my tape plate is always full and overflowing yes. with work then obviously i need to Charge raise more. the water level yes and i will still fill all those hours as i did before but i'm actually just making more money doing it and it, you just like you said if i'm dropping off and not having
0: as big of a queue anymore that's okay that's fine you are now earning more because mm-hmm. your time is now worth more mm mm-hmm. mhm and that, that is a thing that the, that the larger world has perceived for you. Right. Is this, this is like a capitalism thing? Like, I don't know if it is or not, but yeah. So it's like the world has just justified to you that your time is worth more. So now you're going to charge more. Um, and you're not gonna lose any money because you're still gonna have a full time, a full plate. You're just not gonna have a backlog anymore. It's like tattoo artists. They yep. always have backlogs and stuff. And I'm, I'm assuming that's an indicator that they should be raising their prices.
2: Yep
1: yep
0: as they get prestige and win
1: awards and and they get word of mouth and their catalog is out there Yep, then that goes along with it i I think that that's probably a conversation what we're getting at right now with rates and stuff is probably not something most sprues and spruettes are probably either concerned with or ever going to be at
0: yeah yeah this is more about beginning
1: my career as a commission painter yeah or or even if someone don't want to Take it so far as to label it as something like that, but it's like, oh, you know, I test it out, or somebody locally asked, or I'm thinking about maybe what would I do if I wanted to take a couple of jobs on to to make a couple of extra bucks. Yeah, sure. Which is what how I started with it. Yeah, I did it because um, two reasons. One, somebody asked if I if I would. In that f- that feeling, that first time somebody asks you that. That somebody wants to pay you yeah. to paint something for them. Yeah. Holy cow is that an ego trip. Yeah. I was like, Huh oh, look how awesome painter I am. People are gonna pay me money. Checkbox. To paint their little toys. <laughs> and that felt so freaking good. So, okay, first thing you're like, Oh, you well, that feels so good. And then you're like, oh, oh. Of course I'll do it, Peon. I will help you with your plights. <laughs> I will paint your plastic. <laughs> and um, so, so
0: Are you excited crusher.
1: Crushy, crushy ones. His minis paid apparently. apparently. <laughs> um, so, and many of you might get to that where someone reaches out to you, and that's usually how these things start, at least in my experience. And so you're like, oh, okay, somebody asked me. That's where, you know, this intro kind of stuff of, yeah, of what uh, now? What do I say? Now, yes. what do I do? Um, I, you know, my biggest thing is like, sure, do it. Mm, I say no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you want to, it feels good to do it. But the thing is, if you do it one time, you got to be so careful. 50 to 75% of you after the
0: first time and be like, I did it. Cool. Not doing that again. Yeah. It, there's, there's a real maturity you need to have when doing this. That is not natural. Um, you need to have the maturity to know what your time is worth and to not feel uncomfortable saying, you may pay an entire unit 10 space marine, 200 bucks. You know, you need to have that comfort level and you need to also need you need to know when you can say no. Mm-hmm. Someone comes up to you and they're like, hey, can you paint this thing? And that thing is something you don't really care about at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Having the maturity to say no or having the maturity to, to say no to someone who keeps piling things on to a commission that you started. Oh boy. Like I'll paint you a small star set of, oh, I don't know. Let's just say blood angels, okay? And that person keeps adding things onto it. You need to be able to say, no, I can't do this. I'm going to stop here. You got to find someone else. I'll give them the paint scheme if that's what you're feeling. So having the maturity to be able to do that is incredibly important. Um, And as everyone knows, Scott and I are anything but mature. mature. Yeah, Yeah. no, definitely eyes bigger than our stomachs in that situation. Yeah. Say yes to everything. Um, I had something else about commissions that I wanted to say, and I'm going to say things that say that mean nothing until Mm. I remember it. And at that point I will share it. But until then I will keep speaking until I figure it out, handing it off to John so I can think without speaking now.
1: Uh, One part about commission painting that I think is actually kind of nice and, and that it helped me early on in the process was um, it helped for me to get some more disposable income to then turn around and spend on my own hobbying and I think there's a it's like I'm relatively new to mini painting or I, you know I haven't been able to get an airbrush yet I really want an airbrush or whatever but if I take a commission or two I got enough money to buy a nice airbrush and a compressor or whatever if it's helping you get further along in your hobby by doing these that always felt good to me it wasn't like yeah I got, I got 200 bucks for painting some minis and now I you know oh what'd you do with it? It's like oh, I bought a pair of Air Jordans yeah, you're I mean, like come on loser you buy an iwata
0: <laughs> I guess you can do whatever you want with your money yeah you can do whatever but you but want yeah, that, like that, feed your children or something that, whatever that is an appealing thing about commissions for sure being able to invest it in your hobby Yeah, <laughs> and I spent I reinvested
1: everything actually the first year we went to Adepticon I I did commissions leading up to that and all my big my G-roll cash was was all you for made, Adepticon made, you made it rain baby yeah <laughs> I was just I was just throwing out benjamin's <laughs> and i spent like and it felt good out at, at a convention like and i bought all these different hobby things or whatever at a convention and i didn't feel yeah, bad about cool. it because like i got my spending cash from commissions, so yeah,
0: felt yeah, good. yeah okay i remembered what it was uh there's a fallacy about commission painting that i thought and that i bet everyone thinks and that's that oh i can get paid to paint and i can also learn while i'm painting uh that learning is less of a reality than you think it is so okay When I was painting that first commission, um, those blood angels, I was super excited to like experiment with like conversions and green stuff. And not only does it take an NMM and not only does it take long to do that uh, and thus drives up your cost of doing business, but also people don't want you to experiment on their miniatures. They want a predetermined outcome and they want you Mm -hmm. to nail it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So commissions aren't about learning they're Mm -hmm. about delivering on a promise Mm -hmm. um so all of you who out there who like me thought that was a reality is that oh i can get paid to paint and i can get better at painting there 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 might be something you get better at it might get faster but you're not going to get to experiment with all these different techniques like osl and feathering and one brush blending like you are there to deliver on a promise that you made and you better have a good list on how to get to that end result uh, maybe you make it a little bit more efficient in the process, but it should be mostly predetermined. Yeah. And consistent,
1: right? Especially yeah, with
0: consistency. Yeah.
1: Across across models and across the whole unit or across the whole army or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't want there to be sh- three slightly different shades of red
0: across my blood angels. Right, yeah. So I said fuck it to Scott Hyman, the guy that I was doing, and I still experimented. <laughs> so there's one sanguinary guard that looks like a banana marine. It was supposed <laughs> to be NMM. I painted uh, I painted Lamarties. Lamarties? No. Uh, not Sanguineus. I painted Sanguineus in TMM, and there's a different Dante. I painted Dante like another banana marine. Uh, so he's got two banana marines, and the rest are painted in, in TMMs. Uh, I did like fire stuff with like some of the hand flamers for the de- the death uh, whatever the death company um, so I still messed around um, and guess what it looks fine okay <laughs> it looks fine <laughs> the banana marines they, that's bad NMM straight up bad NMM I followed Darren Latham's guide though okay so it's all his fault
1: uh, no it's not exactly it is always deflect yeah always deflect. Shing, shing.
0: <laughs> hater arrows <laughs> Oh, I just man. watched the interview recently. You are seeing the interview uh, with Seth Rogen. They go to interview Kim Jong-un. I have not seen that. There's this whole bit about they hate us because they ain't us, but they, <laughs> they, they, they keep m- mything the ain't us, and they say ain't us, <laughs> And it's this whole thing. It just goes on for so long and it's freaking hilarious. Um, That's good. Yeah. uh, More things about commission painting. Uh, I forgot. I had another thing I wanted to say and I forgot. Why don't you you just spread the airwaves
1: with more random words (laughs) while you think of it. just
0: speak some parcel tongue for you.
1: (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Is there anything else from my experience in commission painting oh dude krylon rattle cans are the shit <laughs> seriously i spent i did so much stuff and rattle cans. i just primed it i prime everything and be like oh what base color are all these blue marines well they got a blue krylon <laughs> i got it primed and and base coated in one fell swoop it's all about time efficiency and that's where you come back to like i don't you don't really feel that you have a lot of openness to like be creative and like try to come up with some, some fun things on the fly. Because at least to me, when I do that painting on my own, it's not about a time crunch, a time commitment, a structured thing that I need to get done. And whenever I do commissions, I always am trying to keep track of the hours because I, you know, to my own fault, I bit myself pretty hard early on and taking on some cool pieces and spending way, way, way more hours on it than I was being paid for. And so I'm like, I can't keep making that mistake. And so I push myself from a time perspective while keeping the quality as high as I can. But when I do that, I'm not learning. Like you said, I'm not learning. I'm not experimenting. Um, that it couldn't. That's not to say that somebody might come to you and be like, I really want this just mini-painted. Um, it doesn't have to be a particular scheme, scheme. Just whatever you think is cool. I like your work. You know, go that's with what, what you want to do. yeah. If you can get a, a, a client like that, those are great. Um. Unfortunately, the majority of work that's out there for commission painting is for a very specific gaming purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even if it's like a hero with a totally different getup, there still are some color restrictions. There still are the basing restrictions. There's still so many things that... I'm not blaming your client for wanting them that way. That's I would do, but you really
0: are kind of put in a box that way. Yeah, I agree. Um, those kinds of commissions are like, I, I mean, I don't think I even get those kinds of commissions. Um, the, the kinds of people that get those commissions are like the kinds of people like, uh, like Mark Masclon, like that, like someone just like, just here's a model that I like. Can you just paint it? however you see fit. And I know you're going to make great choices. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I I wouldn't hope for those as a beginner uh, commission painter. Commission painters for miniatures are
1: very rarely painting art pieces. Right. Yeah. Painting gaming pieces. Yeah. And by pieces, I don't, yeah, I don't mean, I don't know what I mean.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. So yeah, bringing it back. How good do you need to be to be a commission painter? As good as someone will pay you to do it. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. It is exactly that. Yep. Which is an unhelpful answer and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Take pictures of your stuff. Take good
1: pictures of your of your stuff. Put Get on, yourself out there. Put it on the internet. Put it on the interwebs. I had a local guy in Rochester. He made up little business cards of, of his miniature painting that he will do. And on the pictures of the, of the business card was pictures of his pieces. He's done cool, which makes sense. And then that could be something too. If you want to start local, it's a good place to go, go with your regular, you know, people that play and stuff in your area. um, If you want to start pushing that, Um, but would just, I always found, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I always find the, People talking about they are commissioned painters to a local gaming group is a very awkward thing. And I've
0: witnessed it and yeah. it's freaking weird. Yeah. Well, because it's kind of just like, because I think the problem with this question relates to why that is weird, is because you are admitting to people openly, and most people aren't selfish and egotistical, like in people's face at least. You are admitting to people that what I paint is worth. Money, mm-hmm. and that that is your expectation, and so that's the weird part about this question is that there is some imaginary level to achieve, and when in reality there isn't. It's confidence, and also just persistence and, and and patience. Yeah. Um, but yeah that that is that is a little. I want I want to call it icky, but that is always awkward. Yeah, it was very awkward. I didn't think it was icky, but it was awkward.
1: I think we're to the age of the the digital age anyway that your local groups find out what what's the Facebook groups for those local groups, stuff like that. And you can be like, Hey folks, you know, just FYI, anyone don't have time to paint in there. want some stuff done. Here's some pictures of stuff that I've done before. You know, we can chat and see if there's anything we can work together on, blah, blah, blah. Keep it generic. Have people reach out to you if they're interested and it'll happen. It's going to happen.
0: Yeah. There's a, uh puck one of the guys in the frozen north miniature painting group in minnesota frozen north (laughs) Uh, he made a post like hey we're in coronavirus times if you have a commission painting service let us know what it is so we can support you know people can find commission painters and pay for them if they if they need that great opportunity yeah uh the source has those glass display cabinets where commission painters put their stuff and put their business card in the the class cabinet Mm -hmm. class cabinet (laughs) glass cabinet uh so that's another great opportunity too Honestly, just being involved in your local community yeah. is is going to get you a lot of stuff. It's gonna Babes, it. fame. Babes. Bankroll, drugs, rock and roll.
1: Uh, those are all things.
0: Candy. Candy. Uh, <laughs> Tendies. Cars. All right, we're done. <laughs> we talked about this stuff. Let's move on
1: to the newsy news. We are on to the newsy news. And the first one is making Scotty as sad as he's ever been oh on this
0: God. podcast. Oh, my God. Scotty, I want you to talk about it. The only game worth playing (laughs) is now dead. No, uh, Guild Ball has gone. End of life. The creators are no longer going to support it. You can obviously play the game. The armies are still there. My team's still fully fucking painted. (laughs) (sighs) The rules are still there. You can still play it. But it's no longer getting support. No more new models. No more changes to the rules. And obviously, a company doesn't just do this lightly without releasing some kind of reasoning for it. Right. So they released an article with some key players, the creators, the writers of the lore, the people that were responsible for uh, live streaming the competitive scene and stuff like that. They had some opinions to share. And it made people very angry. And rightly so. (laughs) yeah this is a little spicy, <laughs> yeah uh, so the gist of the first guy's reasoning as to why the game ended, and you should really read it if you're if you care about it and don't listen to my summary of it, but the gist is is that the game kind of got away from them in terms of what was important uh, about the game and how it played, and it was almost like the competitive players got to decide what concepts and miniatures were good and bad when a model came out it was either overpowered or it was useless useless yeah Mm -hmm. exactly and they didn't like that um too bad uh (laughs) i never i didn't understand this so it was like the competitive community was kind of had their concept in a stranglehold that's what it felt like they were saying to me sure and if we just take a, a moment to talk about video games. Do you know what video games last the longest and are always around and never people people never forget about? MMOs? Well, not genres, but what I was going for is oh. the ones with competitive communities. Yeah. Counter-Strike 1.6, Counter-Strike Source, Counter-Strike Global Offensive has been around for decades yeah. because they support the crap out of their local scene. Uh uh Dota 2 is the most is the biggest MOBA, has millions of unique players in a month, and it is because they are the biggest competitive MOBA in the scene. They have the craziest uh, prize pools. So the, 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 the mere implication that a competitive audience was preventing your game from growth is such bullshit yeah. that I can't, even, I can't stand it. When I, when I read that, I was so fired up. Yeah. Um, I, the the kind of the audacity of how they approached
1: the topic too was our game was too perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> they and they didn't say that those exact words, but they were pretty close to that those words of this. The game was so fine tuned and it was so skill based. Yeah, that a game that is skill based, the
0: you know the the veteran player will win
1: every time oh
0: right they said that too where it's like you win your demo game and lose your next 100 and it's like okay i don't know about you but that 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 makes me want to play more right. i want to get to the point where i am the one crushing that person for their first 100 games and it's mm-hmm. like this rite of passage it was the same with fantasy battle warhammer fantasy battle i lost my first 80 games and right. then i finally started to pick things up and learn and i think like it's the same way for age of sigmar right sure you're gonna lose to a veteran player that's that's normal. The game's just complex and it's yeah. fun and it's deep and it has intricacy.
1: It had so oh. it was. It, they said it was tuned to a point where there was so little setup for variables yeah. in it. It wasn't about dice rolls. Um, yeah, almost,
2: that
0: that's perfect, right? Yeah, RNG is almost gone, but it's still there in a fun, playful way. Yeah,
1: yeah. But by and large, it, there wasn't a situation where the RNG could have the noob pull off a win versus the seasoned
0: veteran you know how 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 angry i would feel if i played a game like that i invest time into this game and i still lose because of rng in a consistent way such that it makes the developers happy i would fucking drop that game in a heartbeat it's like i want to win because i learned the intricacies because i'm good at it Mm -hmm. people can go through that same thing for me and maybe i'm a unique person i guess there are types of games that are more beer and pretzel games sure people have said that before um and then there are ones that are more competitive and deep. The real reason that they got rid of that game to me is because it wasn't making enough money and they were putting too much time into it. Right. right? That's gotta be what it is.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: And they said they had like four or five
1: more minor guilds that four more that they're just not going to release. They're
0: going to release the lore for them, um, but not... Oh, thank uh, heavens. Yeah, the lore... I'm sorry. The, the guy who wrote the lore is very passionate about it. It wasn't something I necessarily cared about ever, um, but I've heard from people who have read it that it is very good. Yeah. But what we really want... I mean, what I really want is the game to still be alive and supported. The only game I have a painted thing for... <laughs> which is more my fault than anyone else's fault, right? You picked the wrong horse, Scotty. Yeah, no shit, right? Uh, so, yeah, that sucks. That game, to me, was my favorite miniature war game to play. Um, And I haven't played a ton, but I played a decent number, and it was the best one. Yeah.
1: It's tough. Um, I totally got the negative play experience thing. Yeah, you did. I totally got, when I was reading that dude's, I think it's whatever, the head designer or whatever, that wrote that part. And about being a bad play experience. And it wasn't even that, it's not about losing. And this is, I mean, I play games and lose. Um, Not me personally,
0: but some people can play (laughs) games.
1: can play games and lose and still have a good time.
0: Oh right. Okay, you know? okay. I, that's sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you can't do that. No.
1: Um but, but but there was something in Guild Ball that when you were losing in the inevitability of it all, all we're doing is going through the motions to get to the finale of you beating me. I know I'm beaten. I I from I'm I'm excited for the first 15 minutes, and then I realize like, oh God, can we restart? This is a just a drawn out. You're like you're letting my blood, and I'm just slowly bleeding out on here, and it's not fun.
0: Certain teams do that, okay?
1: Yeah, not and all maybe, teams do that. No, 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 and and, and there is some of stuff there too. It's like not that I'm saying I didn't like the game. I like the game, and I actually think like it would be exciting that thinking about other teams and how their play style would be more fun or be different because yes. the game is so diverse. Yes, it's so so cool how each different character is so different and interacts with the game. But that I mean, think about every else in life. Like, are you should I expect to kid up the basketball court and take on LeBron? But there should be a chance, you know. Sometimes in a one-on-one game versus LeBron, like five percent of the time, you'll probably win. Like, no, i fucking won't. No, you're gonna get crushed. You're gonna get crushed. When I play chess. Versus someone that is even, like, because I'm a decent chess player, but someone that's skilled. How many of those games am I going to win? None. None. Ping pong. None. 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 Nonezo. None, yeah. So, so, if you're saying, and this is where things, we're talking about Warhammer, okay? The skilled, most, the more skilled player in Warhammer does not win every game. Certainly does not win every game. Hmm. The, it's typically a, a, a on the combination scale of powerful your army is in the given meta and you being smart and understanding how the game is played and understanding how your opponent's army plays and how you can capitalize on what you're better at, sure. understanding positioning and movement stuff. So there's a skill aspect for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then third is dice rolls. If I cannot count on all my fingers and toes and all your fingers and toes, how many times I hear people <laughs> bitching about their dice being cold. um, And that means they lost a the game. Right. Typically, for most of us, when that happens, that is the the aspect of the game. There was two or three times like, oh my God, I rolled like 14 ones out of 20 dice, blah, blah, blah. And those are the memories that get implanted in your brain. Sure, yeah. And you go back to blaming that, the game on the dice rolls, when in fact, they certainly are a factor. And in very close games that they will make a difference. But most times, 95% of the time, it's the combination of power of the army and your list and skill of you as a player. Yeah. And so Guild Ball made it even so more highly skewed towards skill of a player. It wasn't about most powerful meta stuff it was still there. There were still teams that were stronger, or weaker. There was a ranking and all that stuff. And that's obviously going to happen. You right. You can't have a game. That's got 20 guilds. They're all equally powerful. And that'd be a boring ass game because you design space it in a way that they would all be equidistant. Yes. Um, I don't know where else I'm going with that.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> Can you imagine someone who had never played a MOBA and played a match of Dota two and got dropped into an unranked game? What would their experience be? Utter confusion. Utter (laughs) catastrophe. Yeah. They had no idea what's going on. They'd be lost at every single point in the game. Right. Yet, that game has a prize pool for TI of some $20 million. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How does that happen? How do you make a game that is so, In this game is deeper than Guild Ball, so deeper, so deep, so complex, and so popular? Mm Mm-hmm. With how many characters now in that game? How many? How, every single game is different. That there's just there's so much nuance in that game. It's insane. So how does how does Steam do it? How, how does Valve do it? Or whatever you want to call it. Not, not Steam. That's a product. How does Valve do it? You know. Um. I think if that IP of Guild Ball was given to someone with more money and more opportunity to market to people, uh, it would it would explode. And if it was marketed as a competitive, hyperbalanced game, it would explode. I feel like I feel like there's a place for that style of game in miniature painting that is not yet taken up. At least it's not, there's no game advertised like that. Hmm. Do you know of one? No,
1: GW will never have their games be that because right. it's too much responsibility yeah. to, to be able to have a product that, that produces at that level. Yeah. In Guild Ball, From my experience, I've not played every single game out there. Guild Ball is the game that is closest to achieving that. Yeah. To be able to play it at a competitive level in that environment. But they don't
0: advertise it as such, really.
1: It it came organically that the people that ended up really being invested and really sticking around and playing the game for years and years were the people that recognized it for that and wanted that kind of a game. Right. And that's what kept it alive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So get a couple YouTubers, get them to do, do a couple sponsored videos. Paying a, I'll pay it. I'll do it for fucking free if you'll make the game alive. I swear to God. And I'll t- and, and will everyone just have a little script that says everything great about the game. And one of those things is it's, it's amazingly balanced and it has it's incredibly competitive. Mm. Um, if you advertise that and you play to the strengths of your game, it'd be huge. Okay, you don't need to have Resident Evil IP, Dark Souls IP to sell a game. Okay. You can just have a great game, and you have a great, a great game in Guild Ball, and you fucking let it go, and I'm sad, and if you're a, a developer and listen to this and you're mad at me, I'm sorry, but I really like the game, and I want to see it live, and if you want to see it live, let's work together, okay? <laughs> <laughs> let's
1: make this baby come back to life. Uh,
0: I'm sad. Your baby is dead. Let me resurrect it. The sadder part is that we filmed an episode of <laughs> Kill Your Fucking Friends <laughs> with Guild Ball, and I waited long enough, and the game is dead.
1: That's fine. It doesn't matter. It's actually might be the most opportune time to release that video. If oh, you want yeah, to think no, about I'm it kidding. that way. Yeah, yeah. The best miniature war game ever created is dead. Watch us play
0: it. Oh yeah. Well, for that for killer friends, I also wanted to play Warhammer Age of Sigmar skirmish, which is which is dead too. But I still want to play because it it's fun and interesting. Um. But anyways, yeah. That's the first bit of news. We ranted a while for that. Let us know in the comment section what you think about uh about that maybe you're a competitive ball player and you have some thoughts ones that are probably better than ours because you've been in the shit longer than us next
1: thing i just threw this on here um is the first one that i think the first 4k 3d printer um that's hitting the consumer market that i've seen i'm probably wrong that there are not others that exist hmm. But in in the price range that, you know, two to four hundred dollar price range ish. And this I think one's around three hundred dollars okay. currently. Um, that it's they're taking like pre orders for it and it's gonna be coming out in like end of September or something I think. Um and I just thought and I I heard about this on a um I think it was on our Facebook group. Yeah, I think it was our Facebook group,
2: yeah, yeah, the plastic
1: Facebook group that shared this and people are discussing that about how this is is Going to be a big increase in quality as a 4K LCD screen.
0: Yeah. Um, we discussed this kind of at yeah, one point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up. It was like, oh, we, we kind of discussed that. I'm curious of, of what a differentiation in quality would be. I'd love to see like two of the exact same mini printed at 32 mil oh, scale that'd be cool. with this thing and with the Nelgumars or whatever. Same support, same yep. resin, everything. Yeah. And just see well, how big a difference is that. Um, so. Yeah, hopefully I can convince somebody to buy one of these printers and send me a mini.
0: Yeah. Um, so if you're going to buy one of these and want to send me a mini, I'll love you forever. Uh, <laughs> um, there was a dude. Uh, there was a dude. No, what's the other company? What's the other 3D printing company that everyone knows? Algumars and... Frickin' Anycubic Photon. Anycubic Photon. They have a 4K one coming out too. Oh! Um, so yeah. <laughs> Um, last one last one Sam lands coming out with a video uh, painting the hull of an Armager warglaive yeah did you watch it I did watch it I haven't seen it yet but I do know it exists because I saw it in his Instagram story yeah it's pretty good pretty good yeah
2: it's good
1: it's Sam Um, he's kind of doing the Vinci V style where he's got a bit of an intro in the front he's got a bookended intro outro okay. and then it's him doing voiceover of him walking you through how he Painted this the big aspect of the armor panel and stuff a lot of wet blending, a lot of scratchy scratches, and all that kind of great stuff. Um, good quality shots. He's got his palette cam. He's got so yeah, I thought it was great. And cool. so he's got he's released videos on his YouTube before, but they're usually like a, th- a short, like 360 view of something. Yes. This is the first one that I've seen on his YouTube channel that is an actual tutorial okay. style. And I know he releases a lot of content like this on his Patreon. And so I think he's just kind of wanted to show, I don't know for certain, cause he doesn't really say if I remember right, um, that he's just kind of showing examples of, of things that he offers on his Patreon okay. or if this is going to be a consistent thing in addition to his Patreon yeah. videos. I yeah.
0: don't know. Oh man, you know what? Saying this made me realize something about commission paying that I wanted to say, and it's going to relate to this as well. Um, So Sam has his content paywalled, which is very normal for a lot of painters like him. Mm -hmm. Um, There are so many people just like that. that have uh, videos behind like a five or $10 Patreon tier. Um, And you might think that him releasing videos on YouTube is going to uh, like undercut his, his patron sales, but it's actually a great idea to generate interest in his Patreon. Mm -hmm. And as this relates to commission painting, um, kind of, uh, wanting to advertise your, your commission painting, having a YouTube channel is is a, is a really fun and interesting idea because your audience, uh, those that are going to buy your product are not going to not buy your product because now they understand how you paint. Those that pay for commission painting are the ones that just don't want to paint in the first place. Sure. Right. Yeah. So by making videos, showing your process, you're not... The people that are going to gonna watch and find value in it aren't the ones that are going to buy a, com, a commission in the first place, um, but it is a great way to get uh, out your, your name and advertise your stuff. Um, I like that. I like that connection you just did. Yeah. yeah. You're smart. Thank you. Say more nice things about me. Praise me. Mm, you <laughs> have great taste in friends. <laughs> nice. That was really talented how you yeah, did that. Well, is that it for the news, John? That's it. That's it for the newsy news. Alright, welcome to the end of the podcast. Thank you all for hanging out with us for a year's worth of episodes, 26 episodes. We did it. Woo! That's a lot. Right? That's a lot. That's Look a lot. at us. We're great. We're awesome. Good for us.
1: Now, honestly, if y'all smooths <laughs> and Screwheads weren't... Such an amazing community. Spoods
2: and spooettes. Foods and spooettes.
1: We're such an amazing community. And hang out in the the comment section and chat and hang out in the Facebook group and become awesome patrons and and interact with us on our Patreon. Um, And all that didn't happen. I mean, this might be the one and only year of Trapped Under Plastic. Very true. But we had so much great support and so many awesome people sharing about what we're doing. And uh, thankfully listening to us or watching us while they're hobbying. Yeah. It's all about. Yeah. So thanks for this one year. Here's to 101 more.
0: Yeah. Long live the top Dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to support the podcast, there are a number of ways you can do that. You can share us with your nerd friends. You can give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can purchase some of our merch, which is linked in the description below. Probably the most helpful way to support the podcast, let John, let John quit his job, do this full-time. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's, it's Patreon. With Patreon, you get access to an extended episode. And we talk about uh, favorite minis that we saw from other painters in the last fortnight. Uh, We talk about um, new things we've tried and experimented with. we also talk about something else that I can't remember. Oh, we give feedback Mm -hmm. to someone. To one of our patrons. Yeah. As that $5 tier, you get the ability to submit not only your miniatures uh, for us to give feedback to in that extended episode, but Also! 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 Wait, there's more. There's more. You get the ability to suggest topics for us to discuss. Like today uh, was a topic from one of our sprudes and spruettes.
1: That's right. And so if you want to make sure that Scott can sleep at night without the worry of us running out of topics, all you have to do is give us a constant (laughs) supply. It's really a great business move, isn't
2: it, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. You you, you turn one of your biggest fears into a way to earn money. (laughs) (laughs) But that's it for the podcast today. We'll catch you all on. (laughs) The... Flip it,